Every single night, the same arrangement. I go out and fight the fight. Still, I always feel the strangest estrangement. Nothing here is real, nothing here is right. I've been making shows of trading blows, just hoping no one knows. But I've been going through the motions, walking through the park. Nothing seems to penetrate my heart. I was always brave and kind of righteous. Now I find I'm wavering. Crawl out of your grave, you find this fight just doesn't mean a thing. She ain't got that swing. Thanks for noticing. She does pretty well with scenes from hell, but lately we can tell that she's just going through the motions. Through the motions. Somehow, she's not even half the girl she. Oh. Will I stay this way forever? Sleepwalk through my life's endeavor. How can I repay? Whatever. I don't wanna be. Losing all my drive, I can't even see if this is really me, and I just wanna be It is 6 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 of this, the month of November. In the year of our Lord, 2008, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. Friends and neighbors, Romans, countrymen, boys, girls, children of all ages, draw near to the wireless that ye might be informed, amused, and entertained. It is the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program, live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM970, the talker. Thank you for coming by making a part of your listening day. It is Thursday. And uh, welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us, like to engage, like to become part of today's discussion, if you'd like to interact or interface with us in any one of a number of ways, perhaps with uh, something amusing, perhaps with something maddening, perhaps with something that is completely and totally absurd and without point, doesn't matter. Uh, one number to rule them all. It is 503 733 970. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. I'm going to ask a telephone question here in a second. It's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, uh, whatever, in heels as well. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It is rick at... RickEmerson.com, Tim at 970.am, Richie with a T at 970.am, uh, Sarah with an H at 970.am. Uh, over the next couple of hours, uh, James at 970.am, our good friend James Robinson manning the boards today. Uh, Sarah Dillon on assignment. Not really. She's just, uh, she'll be in later. So, uh, yeah, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. I don't mean to sound creepy. She did send me a photo of herself yesterday. Did you get that as well? No, she doesn't send me things. She doesn't send you photos anymore? 
No. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, I know. He's utterly predictable. He's on from 11 to 3. You know what it is? That's the joy of, uh, that's the comfort of the familiar, Tim. The fact that, that you knew true. I was going to make that joke. After all these years. Hey, your microphone sounds, uh, it's back to normal. Yes, I want to thank Matt and Brian all for right. fixing it. Thank you, Matt, Matt and, and Brian. Bok, bok. Uh, all right, so Lee, no, I don't mean to start things off on just a, on a weird sort of stalky tip, but so we had talked to Lisa Desjardins yesterday, and she was, she can be indistracted, but first of all, she started it. Uh, can you uh, sweeten my mic ever so slightly, James? Thank you so much. Uh, she started it by, she kept sort of interrupting herself to note that she was itchy. And yet when I hear that word, I just think of Timmy Ryan sitting over to my, oh. right kind of scratching his junk. During the show, I'm not saying Lisa was doing that, but I, it, but I said, you know, what? Why are you so? Itching? Why always the itching? And she said, Well, I'm wearing this kind of wool, this like vintage wool kind of outfit. And I said, Like a sweater? And she was trying to describe it, and she and she said, What's well, a pencil skirt? And I said, Well, I'm, I'm a guy. I don't know what. The, like, what does that mean? And she goes, Well, uh, you know, it's just kind of Mad Men era sort of skirt. And it, I think Sarah could tell that I wanted to ask for a photo of it, but it's like, I can't ask that because then I just sound like a, like a weirdo. Send me a photo of you in that See, skirt. that's what I'm saying. What are you wearing? I want to see it. Do you have a cam? Uh, so I, it, so she took a photo, and then it, she sent it to me. And it is it is quite a fetching outfit, I would say. So it's a photograph. Don't ask to see it. Uh, it is. It, I mean, I guess when she's on today, I can ask her. But I don't think her face is in it or whatever. I think it's just like the outfit. This uh, does sound creepy. There's just no way. I, uh, as I'm getting into this conversation, I realize there's no way I can decreep this. I'm so glad Sarah isn't here to hear this. Um, but she sent this photograph of her, and it was a very Mad Men style outfit. It was, it was quite lovely, actually. And then, as she said, she was, in fact, wearing fishnet stockings for, like, no readily apparent reason. But then, here's a detail I almost hate to repeat on the air, but I have no choice. And I think this... Here's the thing. Without Sarah... No offense, James. Without Sarah, I sometimes have no barometer for what is... What is too much information? Because I can... Because Sarah will look over me and she'll arch an eyebrow ever so slightly, which is sort of like, you are becoming weird and off-putting. Mm-hmm. I could try that for you. But see, it's a whole room full of Y chromosomes here. So I got... You know, I, I just don't know. I will say this. And then we'll move on and we'll never discuss it again. That's a lie, but it's fiction I'm going to peddle for now. So Lisa sends me this photograph of the outfit she's wearing. And to be fair, she sent it to Sarah as well. It's not like it was just like, hey, here's a photograph of me. Um, so she sends me a photograph. It's her in this kind of Mad Men outfit, this kind of green wool thing, which is very cool looking. As you noted, it was sort of a CW uh, kind of a green. Mm-hmm. And then fishnet stockings. And then I do believe, I wouldn't say this if it weren't so, I don't think they were taken at CNN, first of all. I think they were taken at the home she shares with her husband, to whom she is devoted. I do believe there was, in fact, a teddy bear in the shot as well. So, everybody just chew on that. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, anywho, uh, Lisa Desjardins will hopefully join us today. Uh, let's see. We'll talk to Cena Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum as well. By the way, they're no longer even calling it the economy, the economic situation. They're just calling it economic meltdown. I mean, that's just sort of the stock slug they've started to go with every day here. Economic yeah. meltdown. Right here. Steve Kastenbaum, we're talking about the economic meltdown and financial anxiety. Hmm. All right. uh, what else? CNN Radio correspondent James Roop uh, will join us from Los Angeles today. Uh, Dorothy Casaseri from the National Enquirer. Let's see, what else? Chris Paddock's going to come in later with a list that, I mean, even by our admittedly odd standards, it's a little bizarre. I almost don't. I think I put it on my blog, though, today. I was, I was almost going to keep the, the nature of the upcoming top five um, a... The music is gone. Why is the music gone, James? I feel naked and alone. There we go. Thank you. Um, 
I almost didn't put it on my blog, and then I did. So I guess I should reveal it here. So Panic is going to come in later on. I swear to Christ, this is real. He's going to be doing the top five songs by the Chipmunks that are not the Chipmunk song. Because that's how they, you know what I mean? They did that Christmas, yeah. Christmas time is here, time for toys and time for cheer. So Chris Paddock, who apparently owns, like, the entire canon. I mean, like, front to back, A to Z, soup to nuts. Um, the, 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 he owns it all. So he put together the top five Chipmunk songs that are not the Chipmunk song. He must have an incredible record collection. And lots of time, Tim Riley. Lots and lots of time. So he's going to be uh, coming in later on to do that. He's the kind of fellow who should be running a music station. <laughs> yes. Or yes. two. He ought to be, they ought to give him one of them HD streams that's just nothing but Chipmunk songs. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Chris Paddock will join us later on. He'll be doing the uh, top five Chipmunk songs that are not the Chipmunk song. But I mentioned Dorothy Garcia. Yeah, we'll do. Um, uh, we'll have a uh, uh, Taser watch coming up today. I think we have a Job watch. Quite possibly Geek Watch. Hick Watch, I think, as well. Uh, speaking of geeks, we got uh, our first review of the movie Twilight. And here, let me let me put it this way. I'm not going to say I don't care about it. I mean, I, 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 I haven't even read any of the books. I mean, I'm now sort of obliged to read the books because, A, sort of a, a Northwest connection because the books take place in Washington. The movie, I think, was actually filmed here, partially, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, all, also, it's, you know, it's what the people are talking about, which means i got to read at least the first one so I can feign some sort of literacy in my own culture. And also, there are, I guess, some kind of big Mormon allegory. So it's like, now i got no choice. i got to buckle down and get them read. I guess you can just go through them like, a, like some sort of literature-based knife through hot butter. So uh, I'm going to try to get those done this weekend because i got to finish up that John Lennon biography. But also, I guess it opens this weekend. As Tim, you were noting, it may actually now be... Let me just say this before we plunge on any further. What was the last movie entirely or largely filmed in or around Portland... That was not bad. I mean, it can't be the Goonies. I mean, we have to no. move on. There has to come some point where we have something beyond the Goonies to talk about. There hasn't been anything good, really. I mean, it was Kindergarten Cop, I guess, which I'm, you know, as living in Portland, I'm morally obligated to mention that. Uh, but that wasn't even really here. That was at Cannon Beach. It doesn't even count. No. Has there been anything filmed largely in Portland since the Goonies, which, again, is in Astoria? It doesn't even count as a Portland film. We just sort of glom onto it. You know what it is? It's like people in Buffalo talking like they live in Manhattan. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. or, you know, you know if you're living, you know, you're living in California, where do you, you live in Chico? You know, and you're like, no, I live in L.A. You don't live in L.A. You live in Chico. There's a difference. Um, so, I mean, I can't. Has there ever been a movie? Let's leave the Goonies. If you were to go back and hermetically remove or seal or a word like that, the Goonies from the equation. What is the last movie filmed here? And I don't mean somewhere kind of in the same general vicinity on the map as here. Filmed here, mm -hmm. that was either a critical, artistic, or commercial success. What's one of the Gus Van Sant films, I would guess? I would imagine, oh, uh, uh, yeah. Drugstore Cowboy or some such. My Own Private Idaho. My Own Private Idaho. Down by, by the fountain right down here. All right. Well, so there you go. Not then that Jennifer Anderson movie will not be out till February 2009. Just the one featuring Tim Riley's car. Yep, feature my car in front of a strip mall. Are you gonna get the uh, Are you gonna get the and and Tim Riley's car? It has an Arizona license plate on it. Aloha is uh, is doubling for Arizona. Uh, so, really? Yeah. All right. I thought they just filmed everything that wasn't gonna be the actual place in Vancouver, uh, BC. I thought that was Vancouver just stood in for everything. Hey, which here's an interesting question: mm. When they have a movie set in Vancouver, BC, do they set it somewhere else, or do they actually film that in Vancouver, BC as well? There is never anything actually taking place in Vancouver, BC. Fair point. Touche, Tim Riley. That's but, why you had the news department. 
That's right. That's why I'm the news director. Hey, let me ask you this, Tim. You're an actor. Would you rather have the um, Would you rather have the and credit or second billing? In other words, you're oh, watching the movie. I'll take anything. Well, that you and me both, brother. Mm-hmm. That goes without saying. Uh, I'm look, shameless. Jeremy getting uh, eyeliner tips, uh, you know, yesterday just so I can try to look better as I'm, uh, you know, as I'm on. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy to do the show. It's delightful. It's wonderful. It's entertaining. But I mean, I would say a number of people who are watching me on TV on the CW hosting Outlook Portland at 6:30 in the morning are probably, let's be honest, they're still plastered from the night before. I mean, they're not even to the point of sleeping it off. I mean, they're just still. I, I, I mean, they're still just drunk. Mm-hmm. So, in any event. The music is gone again. Why does that keep happening? It, it makes me feel it's weird. Time. No, you should be, uh, yeah, can you just like stack stack those up? I'm sorry, I should have been more clear about that. I'm a creature of habit. Without the music, I cease to exist. Without the music, I am nothing. I am not a man. I am an animal. Anyway. Oh, I, I finally saw a Quantum of Solace. Really? Last night. Okay, but before we do that, mm. this is how off kilter I get when Sarah's not around to rein me in. No offense. Um, the, uh, but if you, so if you were watching a movie though, mm. if you were watching a movie mm. and it was sort of, they were listing off the credits, you know, it's like Vin Diesel and whatever, would you rather be the second name on the screen, if it was up to you, like if, you know, if you had people who could demand these, would you rather be the second name after like Ed Norton or would you rather be the final and Tim Riley? Oh, second, because as people are piling out of the movie theater, they barely stay for more than 30 seconds of the closing credits. What if it was What if it was before the movie, though? What if it was opening credits? Oh. I'm trying to figure out which one you would find to be more appealing to you. Second name or the and? At the and end. would be better. See, me too. Because See, people are finally paying attention. They finally shut up their cell phones. They're no longer texting. And you get an extra word, mm. right? You get an extra word there where it's like and Tim Riley because it's like your special guest somehow. Yes. All right. You know what I would like to get at? I'm, of course, nobody's idea of a real actor. But if I was acting, you know what I'd want? I wouldn't want the and. I'd want the is. As in uh, Rick Emerson is... Mitchell, you know, or whatever. Uh, like when you get that, you know, like uh, Willy Wonka or, you know, Johnny Depp is Willy Wonka. What you don't want is and introducing, because if you go back and watch old movies and introducing, that's the last time you ever saw them. It's like winning the best, uh, it's yeah. like winning the best new artist award at the Grammys. Well, a lot of times and is a, a bigger name. Too. Right. That's the thing, right? They bookend it. It's like they do Al Pacino and Robert De Niro right there. All right. I always, and my frame of reference, of course, is the 80s and it's uh, William Daniels. On St. Elsewhere, it was and William Daniels as Dr. Mark Craig. All right, well, in any event, I'll take an and. Back one step further before that, though. My thing is the. I don't even know how I got onto this point. Uh, but, you know, it's 6.30 in the morning when I'm doing Outlook Portland. A lot of people still drunk from the night before, probably not even going to notice whether I'm uh, talking about my highlighting my eyes. They probably get, can't make out most of my facial features because there's still like nine Bloody Marys in. But here I am yesterday having Sarah show me how to make my eyes pop on screen. I didn't see him in the, the last episode of Gossip Girl. What did they have him? <laughs> Gossip Guy, Tim. Gossip Guy. All right. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification on this Thursday. So we have a lot of things going on today. The tales of a bipartisan auto bailout bill will be disclosed at 1 o'clock sharp. Nationwide jobless cr- claims have reached a 16-year high. The president will sign an extension, giving the jobless 13 additional unemployment weeks. And lots of bad stuff locally, as one might expect. Pioneer Place and Clackamas Town Center, both having financial problems. Sherwood High School is evacuated due to a bomb threat. A teen survives a month without a heart. Another magazine will cease printing and remain exclusively online. 
Doctors are shocked to find a worm has penetrated a woman's brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Iran says, we have enough stuff to build a nuclear bomb now. What are you going to do about it? All right. And an Air Canada co-pilot has a mid-air nervous breakdown, forcing a flight attendant <laughs> to take over landing the plane. Oh, that's the best story ever. But, you know, they wait... So months later to tell us this. This happened a little... Oh, so nobody knew? No, this happened in January. And oh. today they just released the information. Oh. Now that everybody's safely at home and forgotten about wow. the Wow. No, but you know, that's the whole thing. It's almost... It might be freakier now. Well, probably not. But it might be... It might be very freaky now, though. If you're at home and you find out that, like, if you were on flight 875 from Toronto to whatever... Uh, what you didn't know is that he began uh, screaming profanities and ripped off his clothing in the cockpit. That'd be enough to put you to a shrink right now, I would imagine. I mean, you know, months after the fact. If only he'd had access to that, like, you know, cabin, like, attention, you know. Because it would... Attention, passengers, I'm having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> totally. No cause for alarm. Attention, passengers, the cabin is filled with bunnies, and we're all going to see Jesus. Yeah. Here's scream, wee. Yeah. <laughs> As the plane dips 20,000 feet in five seconds. Oh, we could do a total high concept of the uh, things things you don't want to hear the guy who's flying the plane suddenly scream over the intercom. Oh, good times. All right. Hello, James Robinson. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, filling in. Sarah's going to be uh, joining us a little bit later on in today's uh, program. And there you go. <laughs> All right. Hey, so guess what I'm holding in my hands right now? Behind my back. Guess what I'm holding right here? A rabbit. No, it... No, no. Now it's going to be a disappointment. A now, pen? No. Oh. A okay. cookie. You're too bland. You're way too interesting. It's not a rabbit, nor is it a pen. Cookie. Tickets? A cookie? Why would I be holding a cookie well, behind now, my back? Now I'm trying to be boring, because you said I, I, and I, went, over the top. I went to the other extreme. All right. Well, I will just, I'll say, and then we'll talk about some other things, and we got this. Some phone calls we'll get to, and then we'll break. Uh, bottom of the hour, come back with Lisa Desjardins. I, I have to say, I am surprised and disappointed Sort of, in a weird sort of way, in equal measure right now. This will mean different things to different people. This won't mean anything to some people. This will mean a great deal to other people. It is certainly significant in like a hundred different ways. And I got to say, up until the moment it happened, I didn't believe it. I hold in my hands the absolute final street version of Chinese democracy by Guns N' Roses. Right there. Not the single, the whole thing. From the record company. Even like some leak. Or some something like your roommate gave you that he got off a uh, Guitar Hero. This is the full album from the record company, right here, in my hands. I hold the entire Chinese Democracy CD. So, which I did not think. And I got to tell, I'm looking at these. I mean, the liner notes are just, I guess, unsurprising. Are just endless. It's almost a novel, dude. The list, the thank yous, is three pages long. No joke. Three pages of, like, the tiniest print you've ever seen. That's the thank yous. I mean, just the Three list. Three pages of people he hasn't alienated. The list. The li- it literally is a list of every single person who will still talk to him. The the list of musicians is minuscule. It's a full... I mean, just the list of guys who are working the Pro Tools for him is extensive. So I hold right here in my hands the final, absolute, street copy of Chinese Democracy, which will go on sale, I guess, Monday at midnight. If you care about that sort of thing. At Best Buy. At Best Buy. Uh, exclusively at Best Buy, right here. And I have, I mean, I have actually the new single as well, which uh, was a service to radio. But I got the whole album here. And I have to tell you, is I didn't... Is that single better? Yeah, I haven't heard it. Is it better? Or uh, is it worse? It's it's kind of weird. Yeah. It's like five different songs all in one. Well, it's almost as though he was working for an album uh, on an album for 17 years and couldn't bear to part with all of the different versions and piled them all into one thing. Anyway, mm-hmm. I didn't, up until the last moment... When this was handed to me today, I didn't believe it was going to happen. 
And I have to tell you, I, I really do love Axl Rose. Everyone knows that. I love Axl. I, I, I pull for Axl Rose. I root for him. I do. And, it, and as much as I would love to see the original Guns N' Roses back together, as would everybody, I do pull for Axl Rose in a strange way. I, I have a great, I feel a weird sort of kinship with him. I always have. So I, I'm always in his corner. That said, i got to tell you, nothing could have... And, and, and to be fair, I haven't put the CD in. I mean, I don't know what's on it. It could just be a bunch of birds chirping, for all I know. But I, I was hoping... Just until the very last second that the CD was placed in my hands this morning, I was hoping that on whatever next Tuesday the 23rd that we that, that at midnight you know the, the clock chimes and a thing happens and something you know that somebody jumps out of a cake and Johnny's democracy. I was hoping that Axl Rose would just appear on television everywhere like V for Vendetta style and go you know aha fooled you again and then vanish for another decade. I was really I mean that that's the only I mean that would have made me so happy just been like suckers and then gone. And then he just, you know, pulls another Kaiser Sose, and you don't see him until, like, 2040. But, alas, it was not to be. So, in any event. So, I got the new uh, Guns N' Roses album in my hand here. You can buy it on Tuesday, I guess, if you're if you're inclined to give him your money at this point. Uh, we will, we'll play the new single later on. I haven't heard it. I um, Is it hit-bound? I don't know. I really don't know. I have no... I don't know the answer to that. That's that's a really good question, and I, I, I have no idea at this point if anybody's going to buy the new Guns N' Roses album or not. I really don't know, and I'm, and I'm unsure about whether I want them to, I, and no, I mean, no, which I know sounds weird, but as much as I'd like to see it be a big success, because everybody wrote that guy off, and Axl Rose has a long list of people don't like him, and I understand why, I'd like to see him come back and just be huge again, but on the same, you know, by the same token, you kind of hope that you don't reward this kind of behavior in rock stars, because it just encourages them. So, anyway, I don't know, Tim. I, I just don't know the answer. I think that ACDC record's been number one for like three weeks now, so, I mean, there's certainly an appetite there for, you know, for rock albums. By the way, can I just say this? Yes. About that? That, uh, that new ACDC record is really good. i got to say it's good. I mean, it's not back in black, but nothing else is. Um, it's good. It's, it's good, and it's not just good for, like, for them at this stage in their career. That new ACDC record is good for any area. You don't have to, like, mentally adjust your standards to like it. It's good. And Brian Johnson, the guy who was uh, the lead sort of yowler for ACDC, now he's 62. 62 years old. And, I mean, he's bringing it. I mean, it's a good, it's a good record. It really is. It's quite, it's quite good. So it's called Black Ice. Available exclusively at Walmart. We got to start making this show exclusively available like it's somewhere, like a Plaid Pantry. Like the only place you can get the Rick Emerson show, Plaid Pantry. Some big-ass uh, annual where, like, the only place you can get the show is, like, at, like at a Walgreens. I wonder if there's money to be made there. That new Walmart long commercial that they're playing in the movie theaters is hilarious. I haven't seen it. It's I tried funny. to go late. I wish I could find it. No, it was I couldn't believe it was Walmart. Legitimately good? Funny? Yes, it was funny. All right. Well, and you, you just go. have to be there and have to see it. Uh, let's see. What else we got coming up today? Uh, well, we'll get to some other things. Uh, real quickly... Uh, what do we want to hear first? Do you want to hear a sitcom question or a question about Doris Day? Tim? Sitcom. Sitcom. All right. I got into a little bit of a, I want to say an argument, a little bit of a squabble, disagreement with somebody the other day about a sitcom question. Because we had that whole business the other day about, Rick, about Ricky Schroeder, Rick Stratton, and Silver Spoons, and whatever happened to his mom. And we found out that she dumped him in military school and whatever. Um, on, 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 on Facts of Life, did George Clooney's character date Joe Polnicek? Does anybody know the answer to this? I do not. All right. Somebody, that was my wife. She was insisting, and I forgot all about it until I saw this email. She wrote me a snarky email. It's completely true. She took the time to send me a follow-up email the next day about it. And you're wrong about the facts of life. 
So she insists that George Clooney's character on Facts of Life was dating Joe Polnicek. And I don't think that's true. So, anyway. All right. Well, I'll ask the Doris Day question later on. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir, madam, as the case may be. Speak. Are the phones turned up? Hi, it's you, sir. For the love of God, you're on the radio. That's great. Thanks. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. A couple of good uh, movies made in Portland. Yeah. Years ago, it was uh, The Family Business with your Matthew Broderick and your uh, Dustin Hoffman and your Sean Connery. Yeah, that wasn't any good, though, was it? No, uh, it was just fair. All right, okay. Uh, some some oh, uh, indoor Oak Spark shots. It was right. pretty cool. All right. And uh, The Body of Evidence with your Madonna. Yes, that's, that's, oh, like yeah. a, that's a touch of evil is what that is. That's a, that's a third man. Yeah, that's one? that's one of the worst movies ever made. By the oh, way. Madonna's all kinds of crazy. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's I'm sure they're squabbling over that one in the divorce settlement. The Master Prince. Uh -huh. Yeah. The don't get me wrong. I've seen it multiple times, but it's terrible. Let's not you and I confuse that with good. <laughs> okay. I watched that in Cast uh, Cast Away or whatever, swept away back to back. All right, thank you. Yeah, that was bad too. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, uh, this is Zigfried. Oh, our good friend Zigfried. Hey, what's up, sir? You, uh, it, it is true that you lit Jennifer Aniston for this last film, is it not? Yeah, I was actually uh, I was there the day with Tim, and uh, it was the most uncomfortable day because, uh, like, I heard all these st great stories about Tim, like being, uh, like being turned down for you know, like in shots, like cut out, right. and deleted, and and I don't think I told Tim this. I think I told you this, but the um, the whole sequence of. Uh, there was a whole scene where Tim's is behind Jennifer Aniston and Steve Zahn. And this is the and upcoming Jennifer Aniston film. What's it called? That's, uh, management. Management. So he is. So Tim Riley is in the shot behind Steve Zahn and Jennifer Aniston. I, yeah, I was sitting in the same place where they were. It was like it was. And my there. car was outside the window. But what so, what was so great was in the scene there was Steve Zahn, Jennifer Aniston, and right in the middle you could see. Uh, him just sitting right there just perfectly symmetrical like it was like the focus of him and um i bet the story and, ends well and the uh, i remember the dialogue camera guy moved the shot so t jennifer aniston's big uh big uh, party float head just kind of covered up where tim was oh and <laughs> blocked out by jennifer aniston's head but did my car make it I believe your car did make it. That's all I shop. care about, because that's what I was paid for. <laughs> there you go. They, they paid me $150 to park my car in front of that rundown strip mall. Fantastic. All right. And there, but for the grace of Jennifer Anderson's huge forehead, you would have been. All right. Yes. Excellent. Well, thank but, you for the information, Zigfried. But, but there's, uh, there's really no great movie um, in Oregon. It's called The Oregon Curse. There, unless it has children in it, it does well. And there's no, no movie has done well since, like, I think it was like 1972 Paint Your Wagon that has done well without children in Oregon. Stand By Me, Goonies, those all with kids. Yeah. You know, Twilight should do okay. It's got tweens. I mean, got kind of like teenagers. And the Alice girl in the film is really good looking. All right, excellent. Uh, so. Fantastic. By the way, did you ever find a photograph of you playing board games with Dakota Fanning? Uh, no. Um, there's, well... Uh, no, no, I don't have any photos, but I, yeah, I did. Play. Because this is, I, don't, I hope I can tell the story, because we didn't find out about this after the fact, but I guess, Tim, there's a sound studio right next to us, or? Is, yeah, is exactly, that right, next, right next door. Is it, in the, yeah. is that a cheese grater building? It's, yeah, it's all, it looks like some, like, Ikea building. It's yeah. It's got, like, 
Modern Art. Yeah, it's all sound studio it's, right there. So there's a sound studio, and just it, it's probably our old Fisher recording studio. And Why don't they tear that No, down? no, no, it's on the On the other side. side. So yeah. it's by the Boy Scout building. So a couple months ago, Dakota Fanning was in town doing some looping or some ADR or whatever. Yeah, because she's in a, a Leica film. And and uh, Siegfried was uh, on, you know, you were there doing something or other, and you had to occupy her for a while. So there's this thing where Siegfried is playing the game, literally the actual life board game with Dakota Fanning for a while. Yeah. And, and her sister. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. And I was but, just so desperately wanting a photograph of that. So. Yeah, because first of all, why would anybody let me round their children? Well, I wasn't going to ask that out loud, but yeah. now that you, I don't really know. Clearly, someone didn't get the memo, Siegfried. No. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, Thank you, I'm a sir. Horrible person. I hate the phone. Ugh. All right. Bye now. Ugh, bye. Right. As our good friend Siegfried, a man with May. I got to tell you, he knows more about movies than anybody I have ever met in my life. And as you t said to him, they don't let just anybody like Jennifer Aniston. I mean, he's uh, or be in the room with Dakota Fanning. Now, I remember her dialogue over and over again. She's sitting there talking to, to that guy. She She's uh, coming to the Northwest to open up a soup kitchen. Because uh -huh. that's what people do here. Yeah. When it's not raining all the time. Uh, I think at this point... And they had a dirty fish bowl in that uh, Chinese restaurant. Oh, like a bowl full of goldfish or something? Yeah, and it was filthy. Uh, I think at this point we're going to roll through this. We'll go directly to Lisa when she calls here in a few. Uh, and then we'll uh, we'll break after that. We might as well, let's get a few more of these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What up? Hey, what's going on, you guys? Hey, 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 hi, hi. Hey, I, uh, I, uh, I deliver Viso, and I actually got my chance, my first chance to try one of the new ones today. Wait, so you deliver to like to stores or to retail locations? A bowl. All yeah. right, and so you, when does it hit? When do Viso Star and Viso Dynamo hit the shelves? Or is it today? Uh, well, uh, I, I, I assume it's today because I delivered my first case today. Sweet. And so, did you deliver a case of each? Yep. All right, and did you try both? Um, I haven't. I, I didn't try the star, but I tried the dynamo because uh, I, I heard mixed reviews of the star, but the dynamo is awesome. The dynamo is grapefruit and Concord grape, and yeah. I, I gotta say that's the first of the new flavors that I tried, and it was excellent. I downed yeah. an entire bottle right before I went to Roger Klein on Friday, and it was really, really good. Yeah, so it, it should it should be uh, trickling its way out, out there. All right. So. We've already heard. Well, there's some leak. There's some leaked pictures and bottles that have like mailman Chris. I think his his MySpace profile is like a huge picture of the Viso Dynamo label. So yeah, uh, the the uh, the label for that Dynamo looks looks pretty awesome yeah. actually. No, it's uh, it looks it looks fantastic. All right, cool. Thank you, sir. Yes. All right, there you go. I actually have a Viso Star uh, kind of chilling in the freezer right now. Uh, so that is, uh, I'll be trying that. That's the one that is uh, blood orange and uh, what's it, uh, sour apple or some such. All right. So we did we did talk about quantum of silence. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, quantum of solace. Yes. Oh, silence. Oh, so I can't believe that Daniel Craig is only 40 years old. He looks close to 60. He looks bad. He looks haggard. I mean, that's a, yeah. He looks worn. It was action-packed, and Judy Dench is great. She is fantastic. And I kind of forget that she acts, because I just see her being interviewed a lot, uh -huh. and being interviewed about being an icon, mm -hmm. and then you see her act, and she really, she delivers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, oh, I can't remember what that uh, that cute British girl's name was. The, the one who, who was sent back to bring them back to London. Right, who yeah. ended the, up being, I guess they dipped her in a vat of chocolate or something. It was motor oil, I guess. And, oh, yeah, I thought it was, it was chocolate. Uh, that was a bad special effect. The kind of, uh, the alabaster girl. She had the very white skin and the, the uh -huh. red lips. and You know what she looked like? Her name was Strawberry Fields, by the way. Forever. The actress or the character? The character. Of course it was. And of course, it, and you know, but here's the thing, you know, and I, I do, I'm a casual Bond fan. I should have asked Siegfried, because he's the biggest Bond fan I know, but I, there are kind of times when you can hear the gears clanking in a Bond movie, like when that girl shows up, 
Mr. Bond, I'm here to take you to London. And you're like, you're not going to take him to London, and he's going to F you, and you're going to be dead in like 10 minutes. That's just I, the way I couldn't it believe they spent that much money on it, like $250 million. Yeah. I, I mean, there were so many continuity mistakes. It was horrible. Really? Is that true? Like what? I see, I didn't notice. Well, when he throws his friend in the dumpster, supposedly in Bolivia, and right. all the signs are in Italian. Oh, I didn't thought about that. Uh-huh. See? Somebody read Premier Magazine uh, back in the... Somebody read The Gaff Squad. All right. The, I mean, I, there are all kinds of silly little mistakes like that. Like, they were in the country, and the signs are wrong. I never... See, I never picked up on any of that, because I'm I just... No, I'm I get, always looking for mistakes. Yeah. I... As am I. I think that's... Really, that is... That describes our jobs, our careers, our lives. Mm-hmm. Just looking for mistakes made by others. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, it's, I would say this, and we'll get to Lisa Desjardins here in just one second. Um, it, it, it was good. I could have used them throttling back the editing a little bit. And it makes me sound like an old guy, but it was just like, just slow down and just take a breath on those. Because you got to feel bad for the stunt coordinator. Mm-hmm. They go to all this trouble to have these fascinating stunts, like that one in the very beginning where they're in the clock tower or whatever, and they're swinging on a beam, and he's trying to pick the gun up off the floor while he's swinging around on a rope. But they're cutting it so fast, it's like you can't see it. You can't appreciate the stunt. So it was, uh, it was good. How much, though, does the villain look like Roman Polanski? That's what I was thinking. That's I was going to bring that up today. How weird is that? I hear Roman Polanski, if you look back at some of his earlier stuff. It was so, he looks so much like Roman Polanski yeah. that it freaked, it kept distracting me. Because I kept waiting for him to go like, you know, and then Sharon had just bought a bassinet, you know, or whatever. It was kind of weird. Me, I'm glad I'm not the only one who noticed no, that. No, and I knew you were going to say that, too. Was I was just waiting for you to say that. Freaking me out. So, all right, well, there you go. Doesn't it look a lot like a Born Identity, though, or one of those films? Mm-hmm. Clearly a post-Born uh, Bond film. It zips right by, though. It does. Now it's like 90 minutes of non-stop, thrilled, thrilled, packed entertainment. Uh, I do find the new Bond girl to be hot, whatever her name is. Uh, all right, the girl with the big scar. Yeah. That's not why she's hot. You know what I mean. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio Wow. CNN Radio correspondent. Ah. <laughs> Hello? Hey. Lisa. Hi. Lisa hey. Deschardins. Hi, Lisa. How are you today? Good. Good. Hey, uh, you know, I don't know if you heard, but... Um, Uncle Ted had his last speech today, Ted Stevens. Really? Did everybody cry? There was actually a great deal of crying and weeping. Hold on, Tim, do we have any audio? Oh, I think we have one here. I think it's Tim's computer up, James. It's PC2, I think. Let's do this one. Uh, Let's see if if we can get this up here. Uh, We've got the Tim Riley has, I believe, some audio. It's it's the last pot, James. All right, here we go. Uh, Remember the press yesterday, I don't have any rear view mirror. I look only forward. And I still see the day when I can remove the cloud that currently surrounds me. Not going to happen. No, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah, you know, I was able to catch him as he walked out of the Senate and went onto the elevator. And Uh, and he said, you know, I said, how did it feel, all these tributes? And he said, oh, it was heartwarming. But uh unfortunately, it is a bottomless pit. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he lost on his birthday. Isn't that right? I know. Happy birthday. You're fired. He's like, so that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's hard being the bottomless pit. Yeah. The bottomless pit. Yeah. Bottomless pit of despair. Yeah. You should have offered to buy him a drink just to see what he would have said. I, yeah. Buy your belt, you know. He was ready for, could have, you know. Do you suppose those guys, uh, guys like that or John Edwards, they, do you suppose they go home and before they do anything else, they work on... You know, remodeling or rehabilitating the public image. Suppose they go home and they block out about 10 days in their day planner and it just every day, drink. Next day, repeat. Maybe. Although, you know, he's luckier than most because he is still a popular guy in Alaska. Ted Stevens? Yeah, I think even, you know, they didn't want to reelect him, but they almost did. And and I think he he still has got tons of friends. He's got people that still worship him up there. But, of course, you know, he's probably spent much more time here than there. 
over the last 40 years, but it, his whole speech was about Alaska. Also, as a subnote, I feel like I cannot say this to enough people. Alaska's junior senator, Lisa Murkowski, she has been crossed off my list of people I would ever ask to give my eulogy. Because she was terrible. Really? Yeah, I, I'm sorry to say that for her. She may be a very capable civil servant, but uh, it, I mean, she, Ted, she, Ted Stevens is such fantastic material to work with. Totally. And it was just this kind of meandering speech that, you know, she said, "Oh, and there's uh, this example I keep bringing up." At one point, she was talking about, you know, you all don't know how how greatly respected he is, and you know, there's a plaque to him in this one village, and they put that plaque there. It's for him. Yeah, well, yeah, he's, he's actually built your entire highway system as well. You know, so, yeah, it was really uh, – maybe I missed the point. Is there but. something really wrong with Alaska? I mean, I don't mean that. that I mean, look, he was he convicted on like a thousand counts of being a bastard or whatever, and then, but they came within like a whisker of, re- of re-electing him, which is great. I mean, right. I mean, here, you know, why in America, if nowhere else? I mean, but it's just – it's sort of odd. Yeah, either that or, you know, Alaskans are really freaking smart. This No one has ever, ever gotten more money, more resources, all of that for Alaska than Ted Stevens. So it's, and they, they get that. You know, they're, they're going to they're gonna lose, you know, their biggest champion ever if, once he goes. So it's one of those things where, like, they, uh, he is the, he's the Vic Mackey of, of Alaska <laughs> politics. You're just trying to make everything about the shield. Yes, I am, because everything is right now. Because he has the, you know, he has the biggest bust rate, biggest clearance rate, whatever, more arrests. But at the same time, Claudette Wims has gone, you know, I cannot let this man continue to be a loose cannon on a strike team. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I don't give it. Hey, you'll never <laughs> guess. Today's another one of those days where you're apparently talking about nothing or it's, it's everything. amazing because there is so much going on. Actually, as we speak, news is being made here at the Capitol. Let's see if we can hear a kindly old shoemaker. Here we go. Uh, oh, well, that was Carl Levin and not the best moment uh, to pot uh, him up. But, you know, what's going on right now, Carl Levin and the essentially – uh, kind of the Rust Belt senators and delegations, are they're having a news conference because we just learned uh, about 30 minutes ago that no deal is going to pass the Senate Excellent. right now uh, when it comes to automakers. Fantastic. And so Democrats came to the podium, including Nancy Pelosi, and said, all right, Detroit, here is your last chance. You have got to come up with a very specific plan for how you would use taxpayer money. Where is it going to go exactly? And you've got to prove to us that, uh, you know, that money – is, you're not going to come back for more, and you're going to be able to repay it. So they've got until December 2nd, uh, automakers, GM, uh, and you know the like, to come back and uh, present a plan to it, Congress. And even then, it's not guaranteed that something can pass. But that's essentially Democrats are punching it right back to Detroit right now. Well, so we can just um, if we can just talk about it. Yeah. There's so much, so much material here. But first of all, I was watching CNN last night. Okay. And you know we everybody heard about these these guys taking this private jet for twenty grand, which by the way they could be because of security issues. <laughs> right. Seriously, I mean you know really just <laughs> just know, a gall. At the airports is really really lax. These days. I, I was just going to say you know we had a picture the other day of Brad Pitt getting on like a like a Delta Airlines flight to go somewhere you know so yeah, I mean right. the yeah because everybody everybody cares about the yeah. guy who's like from Chrysler or whatever but um. So you know, these these the, 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 the bastards just sitting there, and uh, I forget who it was. I, I wish I could remember his name. There's some guy, some senator yesterday, and he actually it was sort of impressive. He actually said, "I'm going to get this as close as I can." He actually said, 
Why should we give you more money so you can make the same stupid mistakes? <laughs> that was his phrase. So you can yeah. make the same stupid... And he, like, shouted it at them. Yeah. And I can't remember who it was, but, I mean, there were no punches pulled yesterday. No, there were a slew of House members yesterday who were just enraged. And you probably heard Brad Sherman from California... Raise your hands if you flew yeah. a commercial airline flight. Well, and then he said, show. and he said, raise your hands if you're willing to sell the jet and fly back commercial. And like then the great, the great awkward shot of none of them raising their hands. That was, and that's when you know if it had been me, okay, yeah, sure. sure. I mean, seriously. So, and also, I feel like at that point, and even before they came into that room, those guys should have known they needed a, they needed a plan. They needed to be able to say, actually, we are selling our jets, and you know this is blown out of proportion. But they gave, they said nothing. They 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 kept with the, you know didn't raise their hands, nothing, which it was a big mistake. And I think you was it you who said yesterday, uh, why didn't they drive? That would have been a yeah. great. We're going to drive their own cars. Efficient vehicle to Washington. And two things. I said yeah. this. This is sort of a joke I said yesterday, but I mean they must have. They must be cost cutting to the point that they fired the PR person who told them that was a huge disaster. Also, <laughs> you know, speaking of, you know, and I, I keep going back to this guy. Um, but you know, Lee Iacocca. First thing that guy did is drop his salary to a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when he took the, the bailout right. money. Right, right. He, took he, went, he got it. Yeah. A dollar. And I mean, you know, it's just something. These guys have money. Now, the, two of them uh, have almost brand spanking new CEOs. But that said, you know, they have CEOs who have made millions in their previous positions, right. including, you all know well, the CEO of Boeing, who now is the head uh, of yeah. board. Yeah. Uh, they are okay, I would hope, um, on money. And if they're not, then they shouldn't be running a major corporation to begin with. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I think it is an easy, easy PR thing. You say, yeah, I'm cutting my salary, and my top vice presidents are all cutting their salaries. No more corporate jet. We're going to fly commercial. I mean, you know, I know that the Ford guy, he lives in Seattle and he flies every weekend. Well, you know, too bad. Make that a, make that an $800 first class. Flight. You know, or just why <laughs> you don't know? you actually move so you can be near the yeah, center of your right, of your right, business? Right. But that wasn't part of his deal. I, I can kind of understand that the bar bargaining over the. But oh, if you're still, if you're gonna bargaining over, you're making like a hundred million a year. Shut your hole and move. That's not you. <laughs> that's that's that guy. Right, or can, can he just get another place? Can, can't he just buy? Kind of, in Detroit? Seriously. I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, home, home, what's real estate like in Detroit right now? I, it's got to be a, a, a yeah. buyer's market. You can I buy think. like M&M's entire neighborhood. For like 15 bucks. Right. Um, Jesus. So I, it just. You it make just, it like a Neverland Ranch in the middle of the city. Well, you know, Neverland, you could actually move the actual Neverland <laughs> Ranch at this point because it is now closed and for sale. We have solved two major, uh, you know, a, a pop star and a, an, an industry's economic problems. Two in birds, one, one stone. With that. Yeah. Yes. Hey, I made this observation uh, yesterday, and I said it only kind of half in jest, and the amount of response I got to it indicates to me that's actually a pretty good idea. You know who ought to buy one of these car companies is Google. I mean... That's interesting. I, you know, I'm tell, telling you right now, if Google put out a thing right now saying, like, look, if we think there's enough interest, we'll buy a car company and we'll start making Google cars... I would sign a letter of intent to buy one of those cars right now, today. Absolutely. You know what? That's a company that knows how to make money. Let me just tell you this. First of all, they know how to, how to uh, you know, they know how to run uh, their business. They do things right. I get the feeling they're a dependable uh, brand that has got all of their ducks in a row. And let me just say this. Google has made not just money, but a lot of money in an industry that even now some people can just say, well, you know, you can't make money on the Internet. Right. And that's usually a movie studio saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even, even now you go like, I just don't know how you monetize the Internet. And Google's making like a jillion dollars a day. And so that's in something they claim you can't make money in. Everybody knows you can make money in cars. So 
right now, some non-automotive company, Steve Jobs, somebody, needs to, Nintendo, needs to step up and go like, look, uh, you know, we'll buy we'll buy it for like ten billion right now. We'll take the whole thing off your hands and turn it around. The X- Xbox cars. I would. You would sign me up today. Give it to some <laughs> business that knows what they're doing. Ugh, for the love of gravy. Right, um, you just find somebody. I, I got a roll here in a second. Right, we got uh, Steve Kastenbaum who's oh, going right. to join us. Uh, right. But I do have to say, I pondered earlier whether to discuss this at all. But y- you sent Sarah and I these kind of photos yesterday because you've been yeah, kind of like yeah. wearing this wool outfit. Yeah, yeah, from yes- yeah the itchy outfit from yesterday. Yeah, see, it was a great kind of Mad Men style outfit. Yes. Um, I do have to ask this question only because Uh-oh. I want no, no, no. I see nothing bad. I don't think. I just okay. want is that in fact a teddy bear in the back of the shot? <laughs> Uh, I don't have the photo in front of me. It it could be. Well, the fact that you're saying it, I mean, so the, I mean, it wouldn't like be out of the question. I we, not that I fact, care. I'm just curious. It's so. in fact currently a teddy bear in my life. Yes. Okay then. Yes. That's an I'm odd. A little, I'm a little embarrassed about that. That's yeah. an odd way to put it. Currently in my life. <laughs> well, okay. That yeah. I guess that uh, is sort of a betrayal of my teddy bear, uh, who has been with me for many long years now. I don't his, think he'd his, mind. You his know, his name is Richard. Yeah, so so there you go. But he, you know, he's just kind of around. He's. Uh, I don't understand. I I really pass no judgment at all. I don't think okay. less of you. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't that it wasn't like some seeing patterns in the clouds thing, or like it wasn't some Escher no, thing no. where I was hallucinating <laughs> it. Oh no, there might be. All right. I, th- I think it's very yeah, it's it's, it's nothing, very possible. Nothing our... to be ashamed of. Okay. My wife, I think my wife has a giant stuffed mouse named Barney. She said it. She's just like, Fine. oh hey. Yeah, Richard's been really good. He was with me through the chicken pox as a kid. Yeah. Uh, no, he's been with you the high times, the low times, yeah, all the times in between. He really has. He's uh, your, your one and true friend uh, <laughs> from the animal community. Yes. All right. Lisa, are you on tomorrow? <laughs> I will be here tomorrow, yes. All right. We will talk to you then. As okay. always, have a great day. Hey, you too. All right, there you go. Lisa Desjardins owns a teddy bear. That's adorable. No way to get, no getting around that. It's just cute. All right, well, theoretically, we're going to talk to Steve Cash in a second, then we'll uh, kind of mash all that together and uh, come to the top here. Let's see. In the meantime, hi, hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Well, Rick, you keep talking about Google needs to make a car. Yes, yes, they do. Technically, they already do. Well, how so? Uh, the guys who started Google. Brian and Sergi and company. whatever. They own the Tesla Motor Company? Yeah. Does the Tesla started. Motor Company make anything, or does it just sit there and, like, scream crazy nonsense at you and make a play setting for 17 people? No, they're people? the ones that make the badass electric cars that are actually fast. Wait, can I buy a car made by the Tesla company today? Yeah. Really? Well, you can't get it today because they're probably backordered. I think last time I saw they were worse than a smart car. But, I mean, they're selling they're selling a car made by the Tesla company. Yes, it's a, it's a little more expensive than a Focus. It's about $140,000, I believe. All right. Well, that's interesting. I mean, one of that's like an economy of scale thing because they're not making very many of them? Well, they initially, when they started the company, they didn't want any car people to be part of the country, or uh-huh. country, company. Right, yeah. um, They uh, eventually kind of gave in, and now they're pulling engineers and stuff from Detroit because they basically had a bunch of computer nerds making cars. All right. got to say, just as part and parcel of this conversation, i can tell you, my office this morning, uh, a couple of the engineers were here working on some stuff, and um, and uh, uh, we sat and actually had like a 15-minute com- uh, conversation about Tesla, Philo Farnsworth, uh, Guglielmo Marconi, David Sarnoff, all those guys. So uh, I'd buy anything. You know, the thing is, here's the other deal. Here's what nobody will say. If you buy a car made by Tesla, the odds are like one in five. It's got a secret teleport button. Something. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. The new car from Tesla. It's called the Tesla Crazy. Uh, it's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent 
Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing? I am fantastic. How's life? Life is good. How, how do you feel about this, since you're speaking about cars, how do you feel about bailouts for the big three automakers? I think they can get bent. They can they can drink a full cup of shut up and go home. <laughs> okay. That's uh, that's the Rick Emerson uh, that's the Rick Emerson opinion on this. They can uh, they can eat as they used to say to me in high school. You can eat a bag, friend. Eat a full bag, because uh, really seriously, I mean, I don't want to give the whole thing now because I was actually just sort of talking to Lisa about this. But I mean, just to bottom line it, two things: a, if you keep bailing your deadbeat kid out of jail, he's going to keep getting arrested because he knows you'll keep bailing him out. B, it is telling that actual banks will not give the car companies money to stay in business because the banks know they'd never get it back. So I'm not going to give them my money, or I don't want to anyway, because, you know, if the banks ain't going to lend you money, I'm not going to lend you money, and I shouldn't be forced to. Also, they went through this whole thing in, like, 1970. If you don't learn from the past, you're going to end up dead in Guyana. <laughs> you, you know, uh, the, a couple of weeks ago, Newt Gingrich said something about the banks, but I think it applies uh, to this situation as well, and he said... You can't have capitalism on the way up and socialism on the way well, down. That's the thing. It's like we are either a capitalist society or we are not. And, I mean, there's one thing to have regulation, but there is another thing to have the government, which they would be in this case, having a stake in ownership of private corporations. That is that is actual socialism. Like they kept saying Barack Obama socialism. He's not socialist. That actually is socialism. And, I mean, and companies either rise and fall on their products and their prices or they don't. So, I mean, it's, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I hate... The idea that it will impact workers and the economy. Who knows? I mean, it, you know, that it makes waves that might whatever. I mean, it, uh, you know, uh, well, it just. But but you know, you gotta you gotta like pick the rules and play by them. And if I can play devil's advocate, though, the thing is, if you allow the chips to fall where they may, and uh, say that the uh, you know that Ford and GM and Chrysler made their beds, now they have to lie in right. them. Uh, it, you wouldn't just be dealing with laid-off auto workers and guys who work for the auto supply. Uh, industry, you know, the, the right. parts manufacturing right. and stuff, which, which in and of itself, depending on who you talk to, is anywhere between one and a half and three million people across right. the U.S., right? It, it then winds up affecting entire communities and cities because one factory shuts down and that entire community goes to hell in a handbag. Oh, no, trust me. I, uh, I didn't grow up in like a place like Flint, but I will tell you this. I grew up in a, in a town called uh, Kennewick, Washington, which is a uh, stone's throw from the Hanford Nuclear Facility. And the nuclear industry is to my hometown as autos are to places like Detroit. And my hometown, you would drive through, depending on what year it was and what presidential administration it was, and you would either – my dad was a carpenter. And uh, he would moonlight, like a lot of guys did, you know, trying to make extra money, and he would moonlight it, uh, helping to build houses. And my dad would get all this work helping to build these houses in a place called, I don't remember what the name is, I've been out of my home, Panoramic Heights was the name of it. And it was what passed for luxury housing in Kennewick. And my dad would get all this, all all these, these moonlighting gigs, helping to build these houses for scientists and, you know, nuclear engineers, and then, of course, all the other stuff. Uh, you know, families who are moving with the scientists, and teachers who are moving to teach the kids of the families of the scientists. I mean, you know, the whole trickle-down thing that would all come from the nuclear industry. And then six months, eight months, a year later, you would drive through these same neighborhoods, and you would see, it was so spooky, you would just see rows and rows of unfinished houses, houses that were never completed and were just rotting away in this horrible Kennewick weather because they were never done, because the, because the, the nuclear industry would just go bust and everybody would be unemployed. So I, I, I do understand that, but it's like, 
But it's like if you if I give a guy billions and billions of dollars, you know, to to you know, to invest or to handle, and he loses it all at the track, you're not going to give the guy any more money. And if you can't make money selling cars in America, we are the most auto and car centric country on earth, bar none. I mean, the, the car is America, and that's like saying you, that's like not being able to make money selling crack. I mean, you know what I mean? Seriously, if you cannot make money selling cars in this culture, you ought to get out of You should no longer be allowed to be in the money-making business because you are incompetent. And it sucks, but you got to allow the system to reset or you're just going to be or it's going to be like that town in Blazing Saddles where it's just like this Potemkin ice cream store held up by a 2 by 4 you know? So Yeah, uh, well, the only reason I bring up the the, the jobs is because uh Today we had a report on joblessness, and uh, it's been revised. And the Labor Department says uh, the year-to-date, right now we're at 542,000 applications for unemployment benefits as of last week. That's a 16-year high and much higher than Wall Street economists had been expecting. You know, but I know they've been saying this thing in the last, I forget how long it is, but in the last, however, we've lost 4.5 million manufacturing jobs. And those aren't people that moved to, like, some other gig. Like, they're gone. Four hundred, four and a half million manufacturing jobs gone. Which, and again, I, I, it, 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 saying it sucks sounds flippy. You know, it's terrible. It's awful. There's no, there's nothing good about it. And those people are taking it in the shorts with decisions they didn't make. But you know what? You know, they, they keep saying, well, you know what? These four and a half million manufacturing jobs, they didn't come back because. You know, we don't have any new industries to train those people to work in. How about this? How about an industry making cars that we actually need and that people would buy? Why doesn't that occur to anybody? I barely graduated from high school, and I understand that you got to build stuff people are going to buy. And also, you got to even if you're buying or building gas guzzlers because that's what the average American wants. You got to know the business runs in cycles. What the American consumer wants today or can afford to buy today is not going to be what they're going to buy or can afford in 10 years. And if you can't see that and anticipate it and have something waiting in the wings, you know what? If they don't want to buy a blue elephant, you've got to have a yellow donkey. Uh, and if you can't anticipate that and have the yellow donkey ready, that's a Rod Serling thing, talking about pitching story ideas. If you can't anticipate that and have something waiting in the wings, you ought to be put in a home somewhere and kept there for the rest of your life and kept away from business. Yeah, there's no doubt that the management uh, model that was in place at the big three automakers was not a good one. There's no doubt. But but right now, I mean, given the current economic situation, every car maker is hurting right now. Even the ones who do make you know small, fuel efficient, stylish cars, because the economy has taken such a downturn, uh, car sales have dropped across the board, no matter what you're making. So I think it's too late now. You know, why don't they take a trillion dollars? That bailout and the other, I don't know, $30 billion that these companies have their hands out for, why don't they take uh, however much that it, you know, $1 trillion, $30 billion. Let's just make it a trillion. Why don't they, and I'm sorry that you're on the receiving end of this rant, but it irritates no, I, me. I, 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 it angers me, like, beyond my ability to express it. And I don't mean to sound like some class warrior, like Johnny working class hero or whatever. But when I see, you know, rich guys who have... You know, you can say they have something to lose, but they're not. Those guys aren't going to get kicked out of the street. They're going to be able to feed their families. Doesn't matter how stupid they are. So you see, rich guys making decisions that they. I hate to make this comparison because it sounds like I'm diminishing something else, but it is like guys who have no children sending other people's kids off to war. Uh, you know, for reasons that are perhaps not entirely truthful, is rich guys running a company knowing that they'll never have to pay the price for it. it's going to be some guy 
making you know 38k a year who's going to take it in the shorts for the policies of some idiot uh, you know some idiot who has so much money that he will never have to bear the brunt of his own decisions so why yeah, don't they take that trillion dollars and a use it to extend i don't know health care uh, and unemployment to these displaced workers and use the rest of it to train them in an industry that will make products Americans will buy yeah you know that's the big problem right now with the corporate model that is in place in America for for uh, well over a decade now, you know, their their bonuses, their salary, uh, their even when they are fired, uh, the packages they get, it, 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 nothing seems to be tied. There are no consequences. The performance of the company. Yeah, there you are know? no. As Gordon Gecko said, management has no stake in the company. Yeah, I mean, you you work for a, a radio station owned by a company where many executives have been uh, let go over the past uh, decade or so. And each one of them got a really nice size seven and even eight figure, you know, bye-bye package. You know, we're doing more with less, Steve. Yes. All right. Yeah, we're doing more with less because they keep giving the money to the guys that they're yeah. kicking out the door. No, it's uh, it's streamlining is what it is. I mean, it's like they're you. I mean, I've always said, uh, you know, you know, this company, any company, you know, it's it is, you know, it's there are certain companies where guys have a stake in it, or a guy at least came from. And that's the one thing I'll say, you know, the thing about CBS is, you know, any any number of sections of this company, for example, where the guys who are running it came from the rank and file at a certain point. You know, they came up from that. And, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of companies are that way. A lot of companies aren't that way. I have said for the longest time that whoever's the president, his health care ought to be the average of what the average American person has. They ought to figure out what the average American health care plan is. And that's what the president ought to get. And that's what everybody in Congress ought to get. Because it, unless... People at the top are tied to the fate of the people in the middle. Things are never going to get better. So you know, we we one of our international correspondents did a great piece in Japan on the I don't remember if it was the CEO or the president of, of JAL Airlines, you know, mm -hmm. Japan's big airline, and they were uh, in financial trouble. You know what he did? He gave away. He gave back all the perks. Yeah. He's taking a regular salary. The guy's making like uh, ninety grand a year. Which for a CEO is is nothing, you know. Right. Uh, he gave, he's riding the public bus to work every day now. He he flies in coach when he does fly on his own airline. He's uh, eating in the employee cafeteria and waiting online behind everybody else. Well, you know, his, his wife is complaining to him that things are broken in the house and they're not getting fixed, and she blames it on him. And he's saying. You know, hey, I'm the top guy at the company, and the company's not doing good. Well, I can tell you, well, you know, uh, Susie Orman owns one pair of earrings, and uh, as somebody was noting yesterday, Warren Buffett's worn the same pair of eyeglasses for like 15 years. So Warren Buffett goes out to like chain restaurants. Yes, he does. Dinner. You know, yeah. he doesn't go to, uh, you know, those big fancy yeah. five-star hotels for a huge, you know, meal. He, he goes to, uh, what's that big steak joint that's all over the U.S.? I forgot the name of it, but you know, that's what he does. Yeah, these guys have, have grown... To this level where they have this sense of entitlement that is not related in any way, shape, or form anymore to the performance of their company. You know what I'm going to be doing right now? I'm going to start leading by example here at the CBS Radio Portland. I, from now on, I'm going to eat, uh, I am solely going to eat fish sticks and tang going <laughs> forward until the American economy re and the occasional taco cart. Until the American economy rebounds, Rick Emerson eats fish sticks and tang forever. And Viso, okay. one of our fine sponsors. All right. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm. So I'm, I'm sorry. So we've kind of gone way, way over time here. So um, is okay. there... I have an open schedule right now. So uh, I'm where, enjoying... where are we with the actual uh, with the market today? Uh, it's been uh, seesawing all day, but uh, yesterday, you know, it closed below 
8,000 for the first time uh, since March of 2003. Well, apparently it didn't go down far enough because uh, right now it's down 96 points. We're at 7,900, and uh, that's based upon a couple of things. People are still uncertain about a bailout for the U.S. auto industry. Uh, the uh, economic uh, indicator uh, reports that came out today, like I told you, the jobless report, right. there are a bunch of other uh, negative indicators that were out there, stuff showing that the economy is uh, shrinking. And uh, it, there, there was a silver lining to this in that consumer prices, the consumer price index yesterday, dropped 1%, which is unheard of. That's like uh, uh, unprecedented. Normally you, you talk about the consumer price index in terms of one-tenth of a percent, and it went down a full percent. A lot of that had to do with gasoline, but everything went down in price, clothing, uh, all sorts of things. But on the, on the other hand, people, because uh, so many people are losing their jobs, they don't have the money to spend anyway, so it's, you know it's not clear whether that'll spark any sort of uh, increased spending on the consumer level. It's like a uh, you know such terrible food, but at least the portions are big. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing good yesterday was Gene Simmons ringing in the you know the New York was Stock that Exchange. cool or what? That was the best thing I've ever seen. Really, yeah. that's I want to buy. St- Dude, Gene Simmons should sell stock in himself. Gene Simmons is a guy who ticker symbol K I S S. Buy stock in Gene Simmons. I'd buy that today. I would say he's a guy who knows how to make money. He's all about devoting every minute of his life to making a profit. You know what, Gene Simmons, and I say this, and people sort of, uh, you know, they think I'm making it being uh, wacky. Uh, Gene Simmons is the definitive American success story. He is the American dream incarnate. An immigrant uh, comes here uh, as an immigrant, uh, doesn't speak a word of English, not one. He didn't speak English when he came here? No, no, no. He came from Israel, didn't speak any English. Came here, single mother, no no dad on the scene. Came here with a dirt poor single mother. She worked in a garment factory, uh, you know, and she worked seven days a week, like 16 hours a day. He learned television from, uh, learned uh, English by watching television. And the first thing that Gene Simmons was ever able to do front to back in English, I swear to God, it sounds unbelievably corny, but I believe him when he says it. He learned English from watching TV, and the very first thing Gene Simmons could ever do completely in English was to sing Walt Disney's When You Wish Upon a Star. Uh, And he is now um, one of the biggest, I would say one of the biggest brands, period, on earth. I mean, and he made made it from nothing, from scraps growing up in in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, uh, Kiss... Paraphernalia is uh, one of those things that you can find anywhere in the world. Dude, yeah, you know, I can say we got to put Gene Simmons in. We should make put Gene Simmons in charge of the economy. I'd I'd vote for him today to run you the know, economy. Barack Obama's talking about change. It's a possibility. I'm pleased to announce that as of today, I will be managing the Federal Reserve. All right, uh, <laughs> all right, we got to run, brother. All right, uh, take care. Thank you, Steve Kessman. All right, James, I know we're way way behind. So what we're going to do is we're we're going to actually go to the news hour here because we can't break now. Um. Go to the news hour, do some news. We'll break early, do a little uh, bringing things together, and then we'll we'll try to get caught up at some point. Because I just go on and on and on and on and on and on, like the River Ganges. At the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The economic future looking bleak for several shopping malls in Oregon and Washington. Central Growth Properties, that's a fine name, for a company that owns a pioneer place in Clackamas Town Center. Are they actually growing anything? Uh, They're growing debt. Growing pain. Close to Chapter 11. 
They're having trouble paying nearly a billion dollars worth of debt. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission said the company based out of Chicago may not be able to refinance or repay other substantial indebtedness. And, uh, well, they couldn't have to clear uh, Chapter 11. So they used to actually have to like have the money to own stuff before you were allowed to own it. Never mind. I'm sorry. Not during this present administration. Oh, no, I guess not. The company has until December 1st to pay off its debt. And General Growth Properties report shows it's also considering selling some properties or filing Chapter 11. What if it's just, uh, it's just a growing sense of fear at General Growth? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Does that mean that I can buy them all like within like a week or so? Yes, you can. Excellent. You can own the dress barn. Can I? I just want to buy Lloyd Center. That's really the only mall I'm That one's not for sale, apparently. Well, no, that one probably makes money hand over fist. Yeah. You've seen the people that shop there. All right. Well, there is some good news. You can go to the zoo for free on Thanksgiving. No entry charge. So the zoo's having an open house the 27th, offering free admission as a thank you. Excuse me. <laughs> as a thank you to voters for passing the $125 million bond measure earlier this month. The zoo will be open from 9 to 4, with the grounds closing at 5. So it usually costs about 10 bucks for a dump to get in. Have you gone? No, it's not the zoo, though. It's uh, I was thinking of the forestry center. Um, I don't think I've ever gone to the Oregon Zoo to see the animals. Yeah, the zoo is the place that has the animals. The forestry center I've never been to. The fo- okay, but here's... Two things. Uh, a, thank yeah. you. Uh, also, I went, I've been at the zoo to see a couple uh, concerts, uh, but I've never... Uh, you, never I've, you didn't run into any animals at all? Uh, I'm not going to make the joke I was about to make. Even with my wife out of town, I'm not going to make the joke. Um, I'll just give you the story, and then you can figure out a joke in your head. I went to see the Indigo Girls there, uh, and so... Um, uh, but you know, who, you know, great as always. But I saw, I saw the Indigo Girls at the, at the, you know, that zoo, the performing area, whatever. But I don't think I actually. Saw, I guess maybe I had to walk by like a cage or something. I don't remember. Um, also, you got to go to the forestry center, dude. You got to see. Uh, you got to see Wolf to Wolf, the I, story of dogs. I don't know how to get there. It's uh, it's, it's the same way. It's you just head out 26, and there's a big sign that says forestry center. Forestry it's center. right across the parking lot. In fact, isn't it across from the zoo? Yeah. Yeah, it's like in the same complex. Isn't that the place with the dancing tree? Possibly. What? I heard they had some tree that did something unusual there. Hmm, the Lindy Hop. Never heard of the Lindy Hop. I am thinking of something else. Come on! Nah, whatever. All right, um, no, you gotta go. Uh, wolf to Wolf. It's an exhibit at the Forestry Center across the place from the, across the parking lot from the zoo. Uh, uh and it, it, they show, uh, it's a huge interactive exhibit where they show how over 14,000 years, wolves became domesticated dogs. Wow, it's fascinating because they note that every dog that you, every domesticated dog there is, originally came from wolves, even like poodles. They have lots of options. Yeah, no, that exa- that's exactly what I said because I'm looking at Max. And I'm like, really? Uh, and they show it's National Geographic put it together, and they show how 14,000 years ago there were no dogs, there were only wolves. Uh, but were there oh, cats? N- eh, probably. There's always been cats, just like there's always been flies, Tim. But uh, but over time, wolves branched off and became domesticated dogs. And then, of course, splintered into a lot of breeds. So you got to go see that. It's pretty great. All right. All right. So anyway, go to the zoo for free. Thanksgiving Day. All right. High school officials evacuated Sherwood High this morning after a bomb threat. This came in around uh, 810, so apparently there was no bomb. There was actually no bomb, though. No. All right. Somebody around three plant pantries. Uh, lately, police said the man used a knife during a robbery at the plant on Hayden Island Drive. Earlier that night, he approached the clerk at the counter of a plant on North Greeley and verbally demanded money. Then he returns to Greeley. <laughs> According to police, he grabs the clerk by the sweater and demands money from the cash register. So these are three robberies in a row. Wait, but it's the same plaid? Uh, only twice. But in what period of time? 
Let's see. It happened October 29th and November 5th. Oh, I thought it was like the same day. No. I thought he came back like, do you have any more? $9. Give it to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess not. Right. So he's a black band about uh, in his 30s, five foot seven to 6 feet tall, about 175 pounds, and bald. So he was wearing polo jeans. I, I would imagine he changed them by now. Hey, when you, uh, when you go to the plaid pantry, do you stare at yourself on the security monitor? I don't go to the plaid pantry. Oh. James, when you go to the plaid pantry, and I know you do, do you stare? I have no idea where the security monitor is. You go to this plaid over here, it's on the, if oh, yeah, it's the, 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 the upper right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm really sometimes... I always want to see how top of my head looks. See, I'm inordinately <laughs> concerned with how I look on the monitor. I want to make sure that I look good. And if I look at the security monitor and my shirt is sideways or something, I'll actually adjust it. It's, like, really important to me for some reason that I look good on the plaid it's pantry security camera. It's the closest thing to TV that I am, will ever be on. So. Well, I haven't seen these guys, you know, but uh, if you yeah, need... I'll say never. I was Somebody here was on the plaid pantry camera, and then he ended up on the... Uh, on the CW. That's what I'm saying. The plaid... That's really what it is. That's the plaid's where his audition tape... It's like it's like being seen at the uh, it's like being seen at the soda fountain for what's her name Lana Turner who was yeah. it was spotted at the soda fountain that wasn't Lana Turner that was somebody she you know was the murderous daughter you know what I'm talking about uh, Vivian Lee no she wasn't there anyway but you know somebody was spotted at, like Walgreens or whatever like yeah. having a soda anyway so there you go from the plaid pantry to the CW James that was my every career. Sunday morning at six thirty there you go thank you so um, all right if you need eyeliner, eyeliner tips you just you let me know I've, I've got it I got it wired here's Tim Riley. A human foot leads to a dead body. Washington County Sheriff's deputies are investigating a body found on a trail between TV Highway and Farmington Road. A neighbor in the area found a shoe with a foot inside. They brought in a specially trained canine, who apparently knows a lot about feet, who later found they arrested the body about 50 feet away. The animal likely scattered the remains. The body has been identified, but they're still waiting to release the information to the family. So uh, be careful of animals eating your feet. The federal government plans to legalize certain illegal aliens who apply for the 1986 amnesty, but run fairly excluded. There's some 10,000 of these people running around the Northwest. So to qualify, uh, contact the, well, you know where to qualify. See, how about this one? An East Oregon state prison manager has been tracked to Iran. Of all places that you can go to. Why would you want to run to... I mean, I guess nobody's ever going to look there for anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that is a place that nobody cares. About. I mean, nobody's going to vacation there and spot you. So mm-hmm. Apparently, he's become a sheep herder. Fred, Fred Momin, who was known here as Fred. Uh, Fred has been a fugitive since 2007. He and his wife, Karen, were indicted in 2007 on charges that involved $1.3 million in kickback payments in return for certain food purchases for the prison system. So he worked for the prison system here. Well, that's got to be just like... Working in the prison system here has got to be just like being at home, though. So the FBI says uh, Fred, also known as Fahad, is in Iran now, and he is herding sheep. Isn't that punishment enough? He left Iran in 1979 to avoid going into the military. He was born here. This is so confused. I don't understand anything about this. So he's uh, herding sheep in Iran. Next they'll be saying he has Barack Obama's birth certificate. I got another one of those things yesterday. Have you gotten the, the latest version of the... Some other, some guy filing another lawsuit about Barack Obama's birth certificate? No, I have not. My mother-in-law, uh, you know, she forwards on all of these, you know, Barack Obama's not a citizen. You know, that's the, the that whole thing. The Barack wow, Obama... these people quit? No. No, they can not even after they lose, Tim. Jeez. The Barack Obama is not a citizen. That's like the new, the Clinton ring of death. Remember you got that whole thing about everybody oh, yeah. Bill Clinton shakes hands with dies three days later. Scotty used to tell us about that all the time. Like, what, Rick, what about Vince Foster? Uh, so that is the Barack Obama's birth certificate has become the new um, black helicopter, I think. So there you go. Uh, we'll come more here and we'll take a break and get back on track. Oh, well, I have two Twilight stories. And 
We're being inundated with these. Things. So these is this a geek watch? I suppose it would uh, Here's be. your uh, geek watch for uh, whatever today is. Thursday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Ugh, this high-speed modem is entirely slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, remember, you used just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Just listen, I'm there here. is no quantum <laughs> flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? There it does. The makers of the teenage vampire movie Twilight have seen fan excitement reach blood-curdling levels. Industry insiders are wondering if all the hype may be too much of a good thing. After all, Hollywood is littered with movies that have huge expectations, lots of media coverage, and then flop. Example, Speed Racer? I don't think so. Speed Racer was a $120 million-plus production. It generated only $44 million in the U.S. and Canada. The movie has already been uh, directed to the minds of teens. It's always a challenge to try to live up to those expectations. Fans of the books are extremely loyal. They camped out overnight this week to see the film stars Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart at the movie's L.A. premiere. Last week, place shut down an event with Pattinson at the San Francisco Mall with the unexpected large crowd got unruly. Well, I just I was telling James actually earlier that... Um, just based on the, the merchandise I've seen at Hot Topic, I think it's going to be a huge deal. I mean, you man, you find, like, uh, angst-ridden like kids who are, like, 15 and maybe not cutting themselves quite yet, but thinking about it pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. Money in the bank. Well, it's also a, a tween love story. Totally. It's, it's a total goth emo love story. Totally like a I am here, yeah. you know, insert yourself. Yeah. I didn't know Emo Phillips was in this. Emo Phillips. <laughs> I like emo music. No, I guess I wouldn't say it in his voice. Emo music would sound like, I don't even know what it is. Ah, uh, never mind. That's a joke that I can't bring together. I'm going to think on we'll it, Emo music. All right. Okay. I remember I said that, as always. Uh, part two. A dampish Washington town is in the twilight spotlight. An old logging town on the Olympic Peninsula has turned into the setting for the teenage vampire fantasy. The town of Forks has already been getting visitors from fans of the Twilight book series. Tourists are likely to take a bigger bite out of the town with the opening of the movie. Best-selling books tell the story of a girl named Isabella Swan who comes to live with her father, the police chief of Forks. She meets the mysterious Edward Cullen and falls in love with a vampire. Forks has a population of 3,200 and gets about 120 inches of rain a year. It's a 130-mile drive from Seattle. The movie opens November 21st. All right, there's your Geek Watch. Take a break. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. More from Tim Riley around the corner. Don't go anywhere. By Grabstar's Hammer, by the Sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Mm-hmm. Why, hello, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Still to come later on today, uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop will join us. Uh, let's see, Dorothy Carsisarek for the National Enquirer. Chris Paddock will be here to count on the top five songs by the Chipmunks that aren't the Chipmunk song. I swear to God, that's what it says. It's good he has an outlet for that. Yes, it is. Otherwise, you know, he'd be at home playing it for his wife, and she's just sort of looking at her, you know, filing her nails, going, huh? That's fascinating. Uh, let's see, what else? Something else. There was something that seemed really interesting just moments ago. Oh, I got the new... Oh, I have Chinese democracy. I got some this plan. Matt, that's what it was. Uh, let's see. Is this somebody calling from London? All right, let's see. Ah, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. 
Hey, Rick. No, I'm from Portland. Oh, well, that's so right. I got to give a shout-out to a new listener in London. Okay. Hey, Molly, she's a lovely lady, uh, and I love her to death. So wait, so Molly, is she? so she moved from here to there? Yeah. All right. And uh, she is listening to us uh, live, podcast. How's she listening? Live stream. All right. Hello, Molly. How are you today? <laughs> All right. And uh, so forth. And, Missy Molly. Yes, we all do. Um, I was trying to think of having to like do something for us, like uh, go have a cup of whatever. Dan, what should Molly do in London? Uh, have a cup of uh, brat. Sure. That or there's Cheese. this or there's this that or there's a sandwich place. I forget where. There's a sandwich place by the Camden Market that just sells this huge sandwich. Oh, it's like a panini, and then it's just nothing but brie and bacon. You, she should have one of those for me. All right, I'll make sure she does. All or right. she heard you, so. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir, and thank you for spreading the word to the continent. Like a plague. All right, thanks. <laughs> uh-huh. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hey, what's up? Hey, um, you know, you're talking about cars and such. Um, I don't know if this is old news to you, but uh, I don't know if you've checked out what Neil Young has been up to with his... Uh, Never, ever, months. ever, ever do I check into what Neil Young has been up to. Ever. <laughs> ever. Well, hey... Well, it's, on the subject of cars, he's kind of an old car boss, but he's also uh, very liberal and green, so he's kind of trying to reconcile that. So he's put together uh, with a bunch of engineers a 59 Lincoln convertible that gets uh, 80 to 100 miles a gallon. Um, it runs on, I think, three technologies. It's got it's electric, um, and then I think it's liquid natural gas or something, and then uh, and then it's uh, hydrogen, and so. He's got a whole website on it. I mean, it's just come out here very recently. In fact, he uh, there's some electric car company in Salem that he came out and visited, and he used their battery technology for part of it. And uh, the ultimate goal, he says, is to, uh, um, you know, you get done driving this thing and plug it into your house. And instead of uh, your house charging the car, your car will uh, charge the house. Ah, see, now you're freaking me out. See, now now it, yeah, you just Google it up, Link Volt. Uh, I think L I N C uh space V O L T yeah. It's all worth it by the by the way for using the phrase Google it up, which I've never heard anybody say. That's like in oh, Cool well, Hand Luke when he says, I'm gonna drink it up, boss. Drink it up, Luke. Well, you know, Google so I it guess up. this is the vernacular. Yes. So. Well that's what the kids say, sir. Yeah. yeah. And all right. Well, thank you for the tip, sir. You bet. Okay, there you go. Neil Young's electric car. Runs on his own sense of boomer smugness. Uh here's uh Tim Riley. Salvadana and uh, Guy Ritchie's divorce settlement will be out tomorrow. The couple have agreed to a financial deal in which the singer will keep the bulk of her $300 million fortune. And they've resolved a big stumbling block uh, concerning the children. They are adopted David, who's three, and Rocco, who's eight. Can Madonna not have her own children? Is she barren? I don't know. No, she had two. No, Did no, she? It, it, yeah. yeah, it was the end thing to do. Oh, she, it was one of those things where everybody's swinging through a third-world nation and picking up some kid from a dirt hole somewhere. Right. You know, all right, okay, well, fair enough. And I mean, we're washing them and taking them home. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just you know, that's I mean, do fine. You know, works out well for everybody, I guess. Okay. And then there's the daughter Lourdes, who's 12. She'll continue to live with her in the United States. Hmm. Right. So the two sons will live between Britain and America, but, but she the, keeps the daughter. Right. All right. Okay. And Rocco is he named after the pizza place or the pizza place named after? Is him? Rocco the kid that she had with what's his guts, the trainer? I think so, yeah. Rocket with uh, the guy who's the personal, like the weightlifting mm -hmm. guy or whatever. All right. I don't know. It's all hard to keep. Even like a scorecard for Madonna's dating and reproductive life. I can't even keep track of it anymore. 
Richie is believed to have his, uh, uh, not the, our Richie, but her Richie, is believed to have uh, much of his own small fortune at $30 million. And he would have been entitled in principle under divorce to get up to 50% of the wealth earned during their eight-year marriage. But friends speculated today he may have taken almost none of his wife's money. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess you don't want to be uh, beholden to Madonna. No, you don't want to no. mess with her. No, I mean, no, she'll have you killed. I mean, even now. I don't mean figuratively. She'll literally she'll have you killed and set on fire. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't cross She's her. She's the Hillary Clinton of the music business. She really, she really is. <laughs> uh, good times. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, then because they have all had such a long life, there's a book about the uh, Jonas Brothers now on sale, or almost. Kill me. <clears throat> Sorry. They're unleashing a book that documents their day-to-day lives. How many days have they been around? Like a I, half dozen? Really? I mean, they could be telling, I mean, almost in real time they could tell their life. Mm-hmm. Here's the, can I admit something right now? Yeah. I make fun of the Jonas Brothers because I know I'm supposed to. I don't really know anything about them. I don't I'm going to admit, see, I'm going to admit that right now to everybody. I make fun of them because I guess it's just like a rule that I, you know, you're doing a, a kooky radio program. You make fun of the Jonas Brothers. I don't know anything about them except that Joni DeRoshi's daughter, Sydney, is all like gaga for them. James, you know about music and things. Uh, they're uh, another Disney. Product. Are they a prefabricated group like like in sync, or are they were like an actual group? No, are I they actually brothers? I think they are. Are actually brothers, but uh, they're they're Disney. Did they come to, to prominence are they like through, the Doobie through Disney? Yeah. They're just like the Doobie Brothers. Uh-huh. Uh, I seem to recall seeing a performance uh, of them before they were really big, like so, on some so Disney didn't Saturday create morning. them. Basically. No, no, but the, the marketing mechanism is of Disney. Yeah. yeah, okay. They're like the monkeys. Are they, are they closer to the monkeys or are they closer to Hanson? Would you say Hanson? Uh, All right. How about the Archies? Probably not, no. Okay. No, because that would mean they were really Ron Dante, who oh, left me a phone message the other day. Oh, really? He left me a Ron Dante, uh, voice of the Archies, just left me, hey, Rick, it's Ron Dante. See what's up. Bye. Like, that was, it was a weird, the weirdest thing. Um, so are they, do they suck? I mean, are they good? I wouldn't say they suck, but I wouldn't go out and buy an album. What do they sound like? Is it like a power pop or is it like a fallout yeah. boy kind of a thing? Yeah, it's really power pop. Yeah, I mean, I know that... Can I tell you, here's a thing. Do you ever find yourself saying stuff that just sounds incredibly old? You know what I mean? You say something and you go, wow, that makes me sound old. Like when I talk about how that James Bond film, it's so fast. Slow down. Take your time. What's the hurry? But you're not the first person to say that. No, it really, and I just say, I love for James, fast. For a James Bond film, that was really, really fast. I just felt like it, the, the, the stunt coordinator was really uh, getting screwed. In I movie. think there may have been an age cutoff for that. As far as what people consider it to be, uh... Adequate as far as speed goes in a motion picture. I, I maybe I you know I don't mind movies that are cut really 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 quickly. I mean Requiem for a Dream is a good example of this. Where that I mean the average movie they say has got like eight hundred and nine hundred cuts, and Requiem for a Dream is kind of like four thousand. I mean it's unbelievable. Or Oliver Stone, you know I just got that JFK thing where like JFK it's like blindingly fast cuts at some point. It's like with James Bond though it's not just that the cuts are fast it's like they're poorly done. Mm-hmm. Court, you know, Court from KUFO, he said this he said something about the James Bond film that sums it all up and I agree. He's talking about that boat ch- Have you seen it James? Yeah. He's talking about that boat chase sequence. Mm-hmm. And he said I don't know how it ended or why. He's like at some point something hit something else and the boat chase was over. And that's why they do it. Like I still don't know what went on in the boat chase. There was one boat chasing another one and then like a third thing and then something hit something, and then they were done, and it was like they were driving away. And I, don't, I actually had to ask my wife what happened. I still have I no it. idea. So, see, I think it's not the speed. It really is just that it's done, you know, like so quickly. Um, what bugs me is the shaky camera work. Yeah. Like, they're trying to make you a part of the film by shaking the camera. Vomit cam. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, I will say, my thing about the Jonas Brothers, 
you know, a lot of that, like, sort of, I don't know if it's emo or, but, you know, that, like, sort of, that kind of dashboard confessional, you know, that kind of, like, that stuff that all kind of sounds like, all kind of sounds like they, like, they, they the listen. music? Well, they, they all kind of sound like the Ataris, you know, but, like, a little bit, you know, they've all got, the, and Timmy Ryan, God bless him, I wish he was here, because he could, he does, you ever heard him do his emo singer voice? No. Timmy Ryan would do this bit where he would sing something like an emo guy, and it was stunning because it sounded just like every, every, every emo lead singer. But you hear all of these uh, emo bands, and to me, I hate to say this, they do all sound alike to me. And I know that that sounds like my parents saying everything I listened to sounded like Megadeth. And they had no idea what Megadeth was, but that was like their catch-all description. Yeah. Turn off that Megadeth or whatever it is, you know. And so, um, but the but emo, and it's not just the music, that one type of emo lead vocal it all sounds like the same guy to me. And I know that that is an age thing. I know it's like, if you if I was younger, I could tell the difference, you know. But but I'm older, and I can't. And so the, every every single emo singer sounds like the same guy. And I just, and it's not something I cotton to. It's just, uh, it's not for me. No, thank you. Here's Tim Riley. A teenager manages to live four months without a heart. Zanna Simmons says she felt like a fake person for 118 days when she had no heart. But here I am, said the 14-year-old, and I did it without a heart. She's been released from Miami Hospital. She's a shy teen. In awe of what she's endured, since July she had two heart transplants and survived with artificial heart pumps, but no heart for four months between. Uh, last spring, she and her parents learned she had an enlarged heart that was too weak to... Sub uh, her heart was two sizes too big? Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. So they traveled from their home in South Carolina to Miami for a heart transplant, but the new heart didn't work. So it had to be taken out. Then they did something unusual, especially for a young patient. They replaced the heart with a pair of artificial pumping devices that kept blood throwing, uh, flowing through her body. That's freaky, isn't it? Don't you just probably every time there's a lightning storm, don't you just sit there and sort of cringe a little bit? Ah, oh, come on. I mean, just live in fear of that thing going up to the wrong speed or something. So for more than 100 days, she was a girl without a heart. And there are so many jokes to make here. I can make any money. I'm not going to. I'm not Richie. Hey, Richie, do we have anything to give away? What do we got? All right. Thank you. Uh, all right. Here we're going to give away some stuff. All right. So we're going to take uh, we're going to take caller number five right now at five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We'll take caller number five. This story was about a girl who lived for a hundred days without a heart. If you can make a joke uh, using that story that is even remotely funny, uh, we'll give you some stuff. So there you go. Let's get a couple of these in the meantime. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, a couple things. Uh, number one, the, the guy was calling about the car yeah. that plugged back into your house. It sounded a lot like Carl the Gardner saying, the best thing about it is after 18 holes, you can come back and get stoned with the Jesus. <laughs> That's true. Well spotted. All right. Okay, uh, part two. Um, last night, you probably haven't uh, caught up to your South Park. I haven't even finished that new Futurama movie yet. i got like 20 minutes left in that. So. All right. Well, it was basically the goth kids at the, the school now are against the, the vampires that are taking over. Just all the kids that like the Twilight show. And, Excellent. And they uh, referenced that the only way to kill the vampires instead of the head vampire, you have to kill Hot Topics. That's that. Okay, see, there you go. That's They never disappoint. I'll watch that tonight. Genius. Later. Right. Thank you. All right, one more, and then we'll uh, take caller five and see if there's some humor. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, yeah, a couple things. One was, uh, I was just letting you know that some people actually get up early to watch the show on Sunday morning. 
You mean Outlook Portland on the CW, hosted by me, Rick Emerson? That's the show. Gossip I guy. Many, I, I normally get up really early during the week, so I'm in a habit. So I, I do see. actually see it from that side of the morning. All right. And, and I'm uh, going to be interested to see if you look like uh, Boris Karloff when he was doing Charlie Chan come this Sunday. You mean because of my eyeliner? Yeah, I'm just hoping you don't overdo it. There. Well, no, Sarah has shown me how to do it. And then... Here's how and Sarah Dillon joining us now. Hello. Hi, how are you? Today? I'm doing very well. And James is going. Well, thank you, James. Thanks, James. James. Um, the uh, what was I going to say? Blah 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 blah. Oh, yeah, we, so, had, we had an eyeliner a test after the show yesterday. And I'm so neurotic and vain that on Monday I'm going to make her watch me do it by myself and then apply it and see if I can get it right. So yeah. Also on the uh, chipmunk stuff. Yeah. Are, are chipmunk fans like? Uh, ACDC fans of Bon Scott with the band without they don't like I mean I'm just wondering will we recognize the new chipmunks and the music from their new movie or is it just the original chipmunks? or is it going to be like when Rob Halford replaced uh, was replaced by that guy who played Rob Halford in a tribute band and everybody's like fine whatever just sing you know sing head out to the highway so I don't know we'll ask Paddock when he comes in 115 Chris Paddock will join us to count down the top five songs for the chipmunks that aren't the chipmunk song uh-huh. excellent thank you bye all right uh, hi, caller five. Hello there. How are you? Good, Rick. How you doing? Today? I'm I'm dandy. Uh, all right. Now, well, let's see here. We got uh, some some crap to give you. If you can uh, give us even a remotely amusing joke based on this, uh, that would follow up this story about a girl who lived for a hundred days without a heart. Go. Oh, man, I'm not good on the fly like that. Why did you call? Uh, I was kind of half listening, and he said, caller number five, we have some stuff to give away. So, you know, I just say, what the hell? What if I just randomly said, you know, blah, 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 go kill the first person you well, see. You know, apparently blah. nobody else was calling in because I was caller number one and caller number three. Here's the reason for that, actually, is because I said it, and the other three, this is why, I, and I should know better than to do this. We had all these lines, and there was one line open, and we had the guy about, whatever, South Park, and then the guy about chipmunks. And, in fact, there's still somebody calling about cars on the other line. So there was actually only one line open. And so if you were, like, quick on the speed dial, there really was only one line you were going to get slotted to, although there is another guy on the alternate line. There is a backup caller, actually. So I'm sorry, sir, you've called, but that's just not good enough. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, did you hear the story about the girl who lived for 100 days without a heart? Indeed I did. All right, do you have a joke? Indeed I do. What is it? Here I sit, brokenhearted. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I don't really. I don't even really know how that works. Um, I laughed. I laughed. All right. No. Fair enough. I God help me. I didn't want to. I shouldn't have. All right, sir. Do you want to? Um. Let's see. I'll give you both. Um. You're gonna have. You're gonna have the. Uh, you both for that. I am. Uh, I'm gonna give you a copy of The Incredible Hulk on DVD, starring Ed Norton, and also tickets tonight to see Transponder Three, sir. Righteous. Transponder? Transporter. Transporter. Transponder 3 is a radio movie. That's the, bar, that's the bald dude that we were talking about in the car the other day. What? The the bald guy that I was seeing how everyone thinks oh, he's right, yeah. really creepy looking. Not Transponder 3. That's the Matt Green story. Uh, trans, Transporter 3, as well as uh, The Incredible Hulk on DVD. Congratulations, sir. Fantastic. All thank right. you. Thank you. Richie, that guy. Uh, like an line four. Transponder 3. I think that's where we get the Dennis Miller show from. I was just going to say, Transponder 3, the CDAT story. That is a half a percent joke right there. Here's Tim Riley. Time for Taser Watch. Here's your t- Taser. Here's your Taser Watch uh, for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show.
Here's your uh, Taser Watch for Thursday. A North Carolina sheriff's official has apologized for uh, plunging into a funeral and plunging it into chaos when undercover agents tried to arrest the dead man's son and used a taser on him in the process. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't have lied. That was wrong. Sorry, sorry. This happened as the coffin was being loaded into a hearse. The officers planned to quietly arrest Paul Bearer Gladwin Taft Rust III. Relatives and deputies dressed in coats and ties grabbed Rust and kneed him in the back before tasering him. One deputy's gun fell out of its holster. Rust's sister, Taffy Goss. Taffy. That name never leads to anything good. Taffy Goss. Said Taffy we... Gauze? Yes. Really? Is, that what, is that what they yeah. patch up Raggedy Andy with? <laughs> Taffy Goss. Said... When she got out of the car, a deputy was waving a gun at me and my mom and yelling to go back where he was going to shoot this at a funeral. I love this family. I don't even care who they are or what they've done. I love them. So Taffy Gauze said some mortars went home instead of going to the ceremony. Who <laughs> wouldn't? Russ had uh, failed to surrender after being charged with threatening his wife who lives in another state. Following his uh, son's death November 11th, Russ agreed to surrender after the funeral. When deputies approached Russ during the Saturday funeral, he went wild, spat at the officers. The officers uh, should have waited until the uh, cemetery service was over, says the sheriff. <laughs> I love the idea that it was a pallbearer. Too. He wasn't carrying the coffin, was he? No. Oh, that's too bad. In my... It was never my intention to create more problems for the family. I'm truly sorry. <laughs> In my head, it was like as they were lifting up the casket or whatever. Everybody was so scared. They thought it was a drink deal gone bad at a funeral carrying a casket. Uh, Paul Barrett, uh, Russ's uh, brother-in-law, said we almost dropped the casket. <laughs> that's t- you know, what kind of family is this that there's some sort of a ruckus at, at, the, at, the, fun- at the funeral? Mm-hmm. And they just assume it's a drug deal that's gone bad. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. What's the difference between a coffin and a casket? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Is Aren't there a the difference? I don't know. Is that like a tomato-tomato kind of a thing? Could be. All right, well, there you go. There's your uh, taser watch. Here's Tim Riley. California's highest court agreed yesterday to hear several legal challenges to the state's new ban on same-sex marriage, but refused to allow gay couples to resume marrying before it rules. The Supreme Court accepted three lawsuits seeking to nullify Proposition 8. In all three cases, they claim the measure abridges the civil rights of a vulnerable minority group. They argue that voters alone did not have the authority to enact such significant constitutional change. As is custom to take up on these cases, the court elaborated a little. However, the justices did say they want to address what effect, if any, the ruling has upholding the estimated 18,000 same-sex marriages that were sanctioned in California before Election Day. Wait, so the deal, wait, so if you, theoretically speaking. They're still so, married. Yeah, so if somebody was married in California before all this jazz, they're still married. Yeah. But you can't get married now. No. But you might be able to get married again. Yes. But the Supreme Court... Jesus Christ. It's 2008, you know. It's all so confusing. But if the Supreme Court says, if the Supreme Court upholds the ban, then does it unmarry all of the people who are currently married? No. Because then... All right. Um, Well, it does make you wish that we could just flip through to the end of the book and get to the Supreme Court, like the U.S. Supreme Court finally ruling on Uh this. Uh Uh-huh. So, all right. Well, there you go. Well, uh, Jim Roop is going to join us uh, in the 2 o'clock hour to talk a bit more about that. So there you go. There wasn't a tumor. Doctors find a worm in a woman's brain. 
Uh, doctors in Arizona thought a Phoenix area woman had a possible brain tumor, but it turned out to be something else penetrating her brain, a worm. Ah, uh, that's not a tumor. I barely knew her. Uh, the woman named Rosemary started experiencing numbness in her arm and blurred vision. She went to the emergency room twice, had a CAT scan, but everything came out fine. It wasn't until doctors took a closer look at the MRI that they discovered something very disturbing. Once we saw the MRI, we realized we had something not good, said the surgeon, Dr. Peter Naka. It's something down in the brain stem that was deep in the brain as can be. So she was reeled into surgery. But the doctor and his colleagues were expected to remove a tumor, but instead uncovered a worm. See, where was this at? Was this in some godforsaken country? America. <laughs> well, it happened in Arizona, yes. in Phoenix. In Arizona? Yeah. How would you get a worm in your brain stem? I don't know. I mean, this is like that X-Files with Felicity Huffman where they're the Antarctic and those mealworms come out of everywhere. It could have come from eating uncooked pork. Oh, so it's not like a, like a garden worm. No. I thought you meant a worm like a big so, squiggly worm. So she ate something that crawled into her brain? Yeah. Oh. But it's like a, like a tapeworm. Bad. Is it? Because when you say worm, I feel like that could mean any number of things. It's like when you say, um, how about this? Like, a, uh, you know, um, where's Richard today? Oh, he's at home with a bug. He's got some kind of a bug. You, you know, you know that means like the cold, right, or flu. Mm-hmm. Nothing like he's filled with weevils, but that's a bug, we too. But if, well, I guess we'll have to cut him open later to find out. But, but when you say that she had a worm in her brain, I'm wondering if that's a worm, like one of those tiny little microscopic blood fluke things, or if it's a worm like a Well, if they thought it was a worm. tumor, it has to be of substantial size at least. Well, maybe that was just like an inflammation. This was uncooked Ugh. pork, you meat eaters. And it can be spread by people who don't wash their hands after using the bathroom. Let's bottom line this. How big was the worm? It doesn't say. I'll see, that's, the, that's, the, that's really what I want to know. Mm. Because if it's just like a little parasite worm, that almost doesn't count. I mean, that's what you get for eating un- uncooked pork. Yeah. And not washing one's hands. Or both. Okay. So uh, anyway, but, the, but I want to know, but if it was like a, like a worm worm, like a kind you could fish with, that's much more horrible and interesting. It is. And it was in Arizona. Yeah. There's lots of weird things in Arizona, man. Arizona's got those weird, they got those camel spiders there. Those uh, are no good. Isn't that so, where Chris Paddock is from? I believe so. Mm-hmm. They, got, yeah, they got those spiders that size a dinner place in that place. No, I don't like that. All right, here's Tim Riley. So that's that. So let's talk about the, uh, these uh, car babies who want their money from Detroit. Now four senators from auto industry states have come out for the bipartisan legislation to loan these guys billions of dollars. Uh, so uh, they say uh, they need billions of dollars in federal loans, and they need it right now. We cannot allow the issue of which source of already appropriated funds will be used for the essential purpose of preventing this economy from sliding into a depression. That's Ron Gettelfinger, the president of the UAW. Uh, Gettelfinger said the bailout affects millions of people. Oh, wait a minute. This is the wrong story. Darn me. That was the wrong person. That was uh, Carl Levin. Then Carl Levin goes on to say a bipartisan group has crafted a legislative compromise. Our proposition is not only bipartisan, it is a hybrid proposal combining provisions from many sources. Do you suppose that he he really went out of his way to use the word hybrid proposal while talking about the auto industry? So is this $30 No, this is like 23 But I mean, is this from, is this part of the $700 No, this is separate. Of course it is, because $700 billion just wasn't quite enough. Well, that's long gone. No, that, to people, to people that, unknown. What even happened to that money? Do we even no, know? No, they won't tell people us. People are getting beautiful tans on faraway beaches. Yeah. They're, uh, yes, they're giving a... Like, Flying getting, on private jets. I mean, they're, they, they won't tell us. I mean, quite literally, uh, the, the Fed actually will not tell us who got that money. Because mm-hmm. it would erode all of that confidence we've got in the, uh, in the American economic system right now. 
It, it could affect uh, millions of people. Which is a real possibility if one or more of the domestic auto companies goes under, given the impact of the auto industry on millions of jobs and suppliers that are in most of our states. Here's a question. I wonder if people are, well, people are buying few cars, fewer cars. We know that. But if, let's say, for the sake of argument, mm -hmm. just use a round number. If we sell, if, if the car companies, if they sell 100 cars a year, all told, every car company in America, Toyota sells, sells 20, uh, you know, uh, whatever, give uh, Ford sells uh, you know, 20, um, GM sells 20. If suddenly the American car industries go away, do you suppose that the foreign companies that make and sell cars here are going to start, they'll sell the rest, in other words, they'll pick up the slack? Yes. Well, but see, then wouldn't it stand to reason that they will need to hire some of these workers? Yes, more than likely. So, yeah, I mean, so if, so if another company like Toyota, who is based here, if they're basically going to fill the vacuum, if the, the, the bottom line number of cars sold stays more or less the same, it's just the brand is different, those car companies are going to have to make more cars, which means they're going to have to hire more workers. And I don't mean to, I mean, I know it's a broad statement, but building a car is building a car, I, I would imagine, within, within you know, certain variances. So uh, it does seem like a lot of... They have to bring all these unsold cars to a scrapyard and melt them down, so that's more jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and let's not forget the repossessions, Tim. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like a lot of these guys can go just get a, you know, get a job at a foreign car company that's making cars here in America. Yeah. People aren't going to stop buying cars. Look, there's one thing that I think we can say with absolute certainty. Americans won't ever stop buying crap. I mean, and by crap, I mean just things. I mean, it doesn't matter if they have money or not. I mean, usually they buy more when they have no money. Yes. You know, I don't have any jobs, and, uh, you know, uh, my wife and I have no visible means of support. Also, we have nine kids, because the church tells us uh, not to use birth control. What would you just do? Just bought a car. So, I mean, Americans are not going to quit buying things. So we're going to keep need to sell it. We're going to need yeah. to keep selling them stuff, which means that the other the foreign car companies just buy these, uh, get these, hire these employees. Americans are at risk, says Senator Bond. Kit Bond. Right now, hundreds of thousands of Missouri workers and millions Missouri. of American workers are threatened with the loss of their jobs. Yeah, what about it? Okay, well, so they are. Okay. So uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has a few words about this. I think in general, I would say that uh, we always should help in any way we can. But I think that uh, one has to also look at the package and what are we investing in. Yes, because that's just a great that's a great political statement from that guy. Because we've talked to Rupa about this. So whatever the way the political winds are blowing, that he lists that to that direction. So um, that's a great statement because it's not a yes, it's not a no, it's a leaning toward no, but not quite because he's uh, not entirely sure. We don't want to have socialism here. There is always the danger, and I have always promised myself that I would do everything that I can not to become what Europe was four decades ago when I left it. All right, well, there you go. Uh, let's do one more, and then we're actually going to take a break here uh, and get caught back up a little bit more. So uh, here's Tim Riley. Let's hear from Mitt Romney. Well, the U.S. auto industry right now is uncompetitive. It has high labor costs, health care costs, enormous legacy costs. That means retiree costs. It has an enormous burden from idle workers that it pays for. It has real estate costs, massive burdens that make it uncompetitive. And just paying it to stay in business, even though it's uncompetitive, will mean down the road more and more loss of market share and ultimate demise. He's always against the worker or people who actually do the work. Of course. Because they are always the problem. <laughs> Not management. No. Not people who wear a white shirt and a tie. It's always their employees yeah, and no, those lowly underlings who are <laughs> causing all the problems they're, here. They're, always they, the, they're the ones who design these things. <laughs> they're the ones who make these decisions. 
They even have insurance. This has to. We have to put an end to this. It was always some guy in the line named Smitty who designed the failing business plan, wasn't it, Mitt Romney? Uh, and you are so right, though. The you know, typically we talk about this has a power struggle, needs right? To be done. There's a power struggle in the Republican Party, which is why Mike Huckabee is on the View, and why Mitt Romney, who nobody cares about, is on. Tel why are they asking Mitt Romney about this? Who cares what Mitt Romney thinks? F him. Uh, and yet he's on camera talking about this. Why? Because they all want to get the job of running the GOP. So, Jesus. All right, let's take a break. We're back after this. More from Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, coming up later on in the next hour, uh, Chris Paddock casts out the top five chipmunk songs that are not the chipmunk song. Uh -huh. uh, Jim Roop and more stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Here's the drive-by truckers going nowhere. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come today, CNN Radio Correspondent James Roof. Uh, also, Dorothy Cassisari from the National Enquirer and so forth. Let's see. It's High Concept Thursday. I have no high concept topic. None. We came Zero. up with a genius one the other day, and I can't remember it. I can't remember it either. Here's one that I had, but I think it's uh, I think it's past its shelf date. Hold on a second. KCMD Portland. Uh, let's see. Um, hold on. Oh, here we go. Maybe I see, but if I say it now, and if it, if it does actually work, people are going to start calling about it now, and it's going to derail everything, and everything will be ruined. I've got this. Um, what would Sarah Palin's reality I, show be called? That's so funny because you said it, it might be outdated. I'm like, does it have to do with Sarah Palin? <laughs> yeah, I wrote. Well, it was from November 10th, so I this was from more than a week ago. But you know that she's being pitched a reality show right now. She has to be. That somebody has to have in a room going, no, no, no. Look, it's going to be you and the whole Palin clan, so to speak, and we're going to be following you around Alaska. So it would be like, what would Sarah Palin's reality show be called? High concept. How about this? But here's how I could make it topical. Did you see that story yesterday that she's writing her memoirs? Yes. What would Sarah really? Palin's memoirs be called? Mm. See, but I don't even know if that's any good. Mm. All right. I don't either. It actually, but see, here's there are only the, so many puns you can make. Well, and it requires wit, which mm. I don't say as an answer. I'm just saying, like, there's a difference between like a high concept. Typically, you just have to have an answer. Like, what bumper sticker do you hate? Oh, that one that says coexist. You know, but it's like, but this is asking, you know, people asking people on the fly to come up with a joke, basically. And, and it's like, you know, not even, I can't do that most of the time. So, anyway. What about, um, like how we were talking yesterday, what's, what's the one question you wish you would have never asked your significant other? Mm, that seems like so awkward. There might be some soul bearing and some awkwardness. Maybe. Because oh, we did get a big response, so maybe people would want to get it out in the open. I suppose. Yeah, we'll or else it could it. go terribly wrong. I or both. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll think on it later. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Say, here's one reason for holiday travelers to feel grateful. The Federal Transportation Security Administration <laughs> is expanding its popular family lane. This is going to be at every major airport in the U.S., possibly the one here at PDX. The TSA spokeswoman, uh, spokesman rather, Christopher White said, the convenience for all air travelers is the goal, but uh, they prefer families. The pressure that the casual traveler or the family traveler is feeling is from the business traveler tapping his foot behind him. So by giving people the, an opportunity to go at their own pace, we uh, increase convenience. So I know terrorists what, do not travel in family units. No, terrorists have no families, Tim. Or okay. gods. 
So therefore, if you if you have a family, you're you're given your own special line. But it's just like deployed a- hundreds of handheld liquid explosive detectors specifically to those family lanes in order to quickly determine that the items passengers are carrying do not pose a threat. Wait, uh, this doesn't make any sense at all. I don't understand what we're talking about. Why is there a separate lane for families? Is it like fat-ass slow skis that can't like get their crap together? These special lanes, currently operated at 48 airports around the country, allow families and anyone carrying more than three ounces of medically necessary fluids to go through security at their own pace. Why do you have to... What's a medically necessary fluid? Why do you have to go through your own pace? You always go through the TSA's pace anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that... They say this is convenient for everyone. It's in, That's a lie. That's just that it's, it's convenient for no one. It is inconvenient for all. I don't mean to ask you in an accusatory tone, Tim, because I know you don't probably know the answer, but I I don't understand. What, I, I guess I'm still not getting the actual practical difference between the family lane and the regular lane. I guess they think families travel through these a lot slower than regular people without children. So, or additional family members. Are, so they're giving them their own lane so they can dilly dally, I guess. All but, they but, want. but no one will use that lane because no one ever thinks these things through. So is the theory. This is the government making up their minds for you. Oh, it's, but it's a good thing they're going to be running the car industry soon, Tim. Uh-huh. I can't wait for this kind of efficiency to come to American automaking factories. I can see you're, you're waiting for the third door to arrive six <laughs> months later. Seriously. But it, it costs. with the big dent. Do not, do not dent. Maybe and the ashtray in your car will cost $900. Uh, the car made entirely out of $6,000 hammers. So. Here's the thing, because I, I get I get to go to Utah this Christmas, of course. So I'll be flying again. And plus, ever you know, we're not going out of town for Thanksgiving, or I'm not anyway. But I know many people are, so this is relatable. I'm not. You'll be here. Uh, you won't be here, will you, Tim? No. I'm you don't love. No. All right, fine. Um, Wait, Tim doesn't have to be here, but I have to be here. You get to be here with me. I get to be here. And we're spending special time. I know. You it's always true. love I, the Thanksgiving. I shows. do love the Thanksgiving shows, and I missed it last year. There you go. You can make up for it this year. Apparently, somebody didn't miss it last year. And so he'll be missing it this year. Are we working the day after, too? Well, I'm not leaving. I'm going to be here, so I don't have any life or friends. I have nowhere else to be. Yes, I'll be here. Alone if I have to. Anyway. My mom would really like to see me for the holidays. We'll figure it out. Anyway, I'm going to be gone on Christmas, though, so I'll be in Utah. But a lot of people are traveling, uh, so they get to, uh, you know, so they get to go through this whole rigmarole with the TSA. So doesn't this... Make the whole process longer. If say, say most people are traveling with their families over yes. the holiday weekend, right? Wouldn't this cause more of a backup? Well, and here's my thing: if they are creating a separate family lane mm-hmm. because they figure, well, look, families are dumb and slow, and they gum up all the works. So we want to thinking here, apparently. Exactly. So if your family will give you the choice to go in this family lane, but here's the thing: here's what they don't. Here's what it seems to me. Won't other families choose not to get in that lane? Because they will in turn be behind slow-ass families. Mm -hmm. And so the family's going to go, we're not going to go in that lane. It's full of other families. Let's go in this one with the business travelers. Then they themselves have then become the slow family gumming up that lane. Uh It doesn't make any sense at all. It makes sense to the government. That's because they're retards, Tim. Also, I would like to take this opportunity to say that um, Comcast really does have a fantastic advertising um, strategy with those slow-ski commercials. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen those? No. It's a uh, commercial. Yeah, I typically do as well, but Lars, you know, she keeps an, Lars keep, uh, keeps an eye out for the, for the good ones, and she points them out to me. Comcast has this fantastic ad campaign with these two 
They're not, I mean, I guess they're CGI, but they look very real. It almost looks like it's, um, they almost look like sort of like they're animatronic or kind of like, like Muppet creatures somehow. But there's this, they're a married couple and they're two turtles called the Slowskis. And it's like Mr. and Mrs. Slowski. And the whole, the whole shtick with the turtles is, because, you know, Slowski turtle, is that they don't like anything to be fast. Every, they like everything to be really, and things that are fast, like freak them out. And so it's like they're terrified of Comcast high-speed internet. And, and I'm maybe not making this sound funny, but they're hilarious because it's like. And they, the thing hilariously is, hilariously animated or hilarious in what they do. The commercials are hilarious. They're 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 really really funny because it's like the Slowskis. The Slowskis love their dial-up internet and DSL because that cable internet. And then occasionally, like they'll be over at somebody's house for dinner. Uh, are they implying that all Polish people are slow? I did. How do you know they're Polish? Their name. They're turtles. Ki. As many Polish surnames do. I never really thought that the turtles... I mean, I guess turtles could be from Poland. Yes, they could be. Well, I'm just saying, it's not my ad campaign. Um, so, any offense taken is your own, Tim. Uh, the uh, What was I saying? Oh, but so, like, occasionally they'll go over to somebody's house, and, like, the, the people will have, like, high-speed internet, and the slow skis are just, ah! And they're just terrified of it. So, that's a great ad campaign. If for no other reason than this, but I can now use that term slowski whenever I'm talking about uh, like some dick at the airport that won't get out of my way. I said, and I can tell our lab is beyond some slowski. You know, he wouldn't take off his shoes in time. She goes, I know what you're talking about. So that slowski has become total shorthand uh, for all uh, slow people, unless you're Tim, in which case it's become shorthand for something else apparently. Well, Joe the plumber. What kind of name is Riley anyway? That's what I want to know. All right, here's Tim Riley. Joe the plumber may assume he's taking a break from his days as a handyman. I thought he was a plumber. The handyman. How did he become a handyman after becoming a plumber? Well, now he's becoming a novelist. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Now, Sam, yeah. Sam Wurzelbacker, who's actually Joe the plumber, Mr. Wurzelbacker, has signed a deal with a Texas publisher for a book entitled Joe the Plumber, Fighting for the American Dream. In this book, Wurzelbacher will open up on his ideas. Despite the new book, Joe the Plumber says he is broke and staying uh, true to his word not to cash in. The book will be co-written, co-written, as he said, by uh, Thomas uh, Tavick. So apparently this is the ghostwriter. Thomas Tavick is actually writing this. It's scheduled uh -huh. to be released December 1st. December 1st? He only has two weeks to write this book. <laughs> well, I mean, how much could it possibly... What? That's less than two weeks. <laughs> In less than two weeks. Joe the Plumber will have his, his book. Yes. Well, I mean, how much could it possibly need to... Why does he team up with the Jonas Brothers <laughs> and they can write jointly? <laughs> they can be... It can be like one of those the books... The Jonas Brothers be Joe the Plumber. <laughs> it can be... Is that like... Is that like Scooby-Doo meets... Yes. Uh, meets... Uh, the, the, uh, uh, Batman? Uh, the... Um, or when Abbott and Costello meet the mummy? It could be like one of those books where you read it halfway through, but then you flip it over, and the other side is like the other book. Uh-huh. Jesus. His Are book you... is coming out in two weeks? Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get a hold of whoever his press rep is and get a copy of the book. Oh, and an interview, and I an would interview. think. Oh, yes. I mean, he's. I mean, you know he's going to be doing do press. under the fact that, that you voted for John McCain and how inspired you were by all of his appearances at all of the rallies. So this was actually supposed to be an autobiography about some upcoming Republican candidate of some kind. Right. They just took the old name off and put Joe the Plumber's name on it. Joe the Plumber. This uh, is his life story. Never give up. <laughs> Follow your dreams. <laughs> it's a universal American story. It really, it really is. Oh, man. That's Sorry, it's wonderful. It's going to be ready in two weeks. <laughs>
just went out and bought a legal pad and a box of 2-H pencils, and he's going to get out of business here and get this book done. we got to hit him off for an interview. And you know he'll do it. You know he's going to try to wring every dollar. It's good to see that capitalism is actually still alive in some quarters here. I mean, as we are slowly becoming a nation of socialists, it's good to see that the American dream and making a dollar by any means necessary still continues. Uh, and it is embodied by Joe the Plumber. I mean, that is sort of great. I mean, it's like I remember people making fun He's of... He's now a handyman instead of a plumber. And you ever when, when uh, people made fun of Jesse Ventura for writing a book? At least that guy was the freaking gump. Jesus. Never give up on your dreams. Never give up. Yes, I can. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 430 points at the closing bell. The S&P 500 is down 51 points and NASDAQ down 71. So is that the standard and poor index? I would say so. Aptly oh, the named. poor and standard the index. The poor is the new standard, Tim. All right. Let's see. What haven't we done here? Uh, any number of things, I would imagine. Well, let's take a little break from the bad economy to talk about the two-faced kitten. A kitten with two faces that meows out of both mouths at the same time. <sighs> I'm kind of holding myself now. That's been born in Australia. At the same time, like, the same time. but I mean, like, well, let's take a we have to find out. It's like Donnie and Marie. But it's a kitten. It needs to be somebody sending right. us two kittens meowing at the same time. Is it obliged to do it at the same time? Like, could one mouth? It, apparently, it's been trained that way. Uh, the kitten was delivered in a vet's operating room after its mother had complications. The two-faced kitten is one of three in a litter that appears to be doing well. It doesn't have a name yet. Uh, the owner is thinking of cause, calling it Quasimodo. The veterinarian and the nurse, Louise, delivered the kitten. <laughs> Please tell me that there's a video of the kitten meowing out of both mouths. I, don't, I do not have the video yet. I do have a picture. Heather has two mouthies. I'm sorry, I have seen joke, cats so. with two tails and extra legs, but not with two heads. All right. Oh, All right. I think I found... Wait, there's two heads or two one head, two faces? Oh, I'm sorry. One head, two faces. All right. One head, two faces. It, it's a two-faced kitten. You're freaking me out. This isn't D-Cat. How would you like one in your Christmas stocking? What is this? Two-faced kitten. Cat. Is this just the first cat you found on YouTube? No, I found two cats meowing. All right. Did you type two cats meowing into YouTube? <laughs> I love YouTube. Hold on right now. Hold on. I'm going to start typing. I'm going to pick a random phrase and see what comes up on YouTube. Okay. Should, what, what, you just have two cats meowing? <laughs> yes. Who photographs that? Who takes time? You're only alive for 75 years. See, that's how boring network television is these days. People have all the spare time on their hands. How many stars does this one get? Oh, it got five stars. How many what times has it been viewed? Five stars. As far as kitten meowing. How many times has it been viewed? It's been viewed 18,767 oh, times. Hey, what do you want to do tonight? You want to go to a movie? Maybe have sex? No, let's sit at home and watch that YouTube video of uh, two kittens meowing. <laughs> you know, you have to take the time to find the cats, make the cats meow, film it, get a YouTube account, upload it, and then 18,000 people have to choose to view that. All right, what should I type into YouTube just to see if it's there? Um, I love granola bars. All right. Hey, uh, Richie, is Haddock doing his chipmunk thing here? You know, from kittens to chipmunks? I think so because he has a meeting at 2. No answer. All right. What am I typing? I love granola bars. Yes. No, I'll play another kitten video while we're waiting. Please do. I hope the kitten doesn't use profanity. All right. That, there's no reason that needs to exist. All right. There's nothing about 
I'm just gonna take. I'm gonna take. Oh, I I love. I'm just gonna put in granola bars. Let's see what we get here. Here's okay. Wait, hold on. Here's a woman, Nikki, giving a recipe for making granola bars. Let's listen to this. <laughs> so Hopefully, Nikki doesn't using billion out. dollar technology. It's just me, Serena. I wanted to watch TV. So. Boy, she's stoned. She is, like, way stoned. She is, like, un- you, I wish you could see what this woman... First of all, she said her name is Serena. This, this claims to be Nikki's granola bar uh, recipe. Nikki and Serena. Wait, where does it say Nikki and Serena? Because it's starting to... All right, hold on. Hi. It's just me, Serena. I wanted to watch TV, so... Um, I thought they'd make another video... And wow, she is higher than anybody has ever been. Make my granola bars. <laughs> I wish, really, everybody, go to YouTube and type in granola bars, and then look for Nikki with one K. Nikki's peanut butter quote granola end quote bars. And I'm doing a little bit different this time because I finally found banana extract. <laughs> <laughs> this is eight. Minutes and 49 seconds long. It's been viewed over 500 times. And it has four and a half stars. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm going to type in it. I'm going to type a response. I'm going to call it the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And I'm going to ask her to send me updates every time she posts something. Jesus, God Almighty. Hello, ask her if it's static. available on Bluetooth. This is serious. Like, can, you Howdy. Please, can you just send these directly to my Blackberry, she, please? Doesn't she look like she's uh, Wiccan, too, possibly? Totally. Like, you she'd just, be in a forest naked, dancing can, around some ferns. Seriously, and you know that she's a member of a women's group with a Y. Oh, yeah, women's. totally, totally. Yeah. My friend David sent me a bunch of uh, face kitten, two-faced kitten videos. A, a V2 face kitten yeah, or A2 face kitten? From the Huffington Post. All right. Do we have a video of the kitten? Yes, it is. Yelling? Taking a second. So why don't you guys right. talk, well, about let's do this. talk amongst yourselves. Uh, hello, Chris Paddock. How are you? How do, Rick Emerson? How uh, do, Sarah Dillon? How hello. do, Tim Riley? Fine, thank you. I Welcome you're, back. Thank you're, you. you're wearing that shirt that I covet. Yes. Uh, oh, that's a good shirt. Today I'm uh, wearing a Lucky Brand shirt. By the uh, way, they don't even make that shirt stains. anymore. No, they don't. That shirt, is, even if I wanted to buy it, I'd actually have to kill you and take it. And then it wouldn't. And then it, it probably is a... You know, it's probably made it too small for me. So that's why I, I can never... Paw prints. They look like paw prints. I'm going to suggest maybe you write to Nikki. And not only get flowers? that fantastic uh, granola uh, recipe, maybe she can make you the shirt. She yeah. looks like she has some experience with tie-dye. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Uh, so, all right. Uh, so, today, I swear to God, and I've been saying this, I don't think people have believed me. We're going to be doing the top five songs by the Chipmunks that are not the actual Chipmunk song. Right. And so... What? Why are we doing this? What inspired this? Uh, well, okay, a couple things. A, the holidays are near, and yeah. what song does everyone think of when they hear Christmas is coming? They think of the Chipmunk song. Christmas, Christmas time for cheer. Yes. Uh, also, you were recently playing some of those uh, cuts from the new. Oh, there we go, right there. Tim, did you hear this? Were you here for this? Oh, yes. check this out. Yes. Uh. This is from their brand new. What's it called? Release, undeniable. Uh huh. This is Alvin and the Chipmunks with Journey, Don't Stop Believing, on AM 970. It's really bad. I'm not going to... Don't, 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 you, you got to go to the, the classic line, though. Suffice but. it to say, though, I said the smell of fur. Yeah, I, I smell, smell her fur, fur and cheap perfume. Yeah, so, yeah. That's all creepy. Really, really creepy. Uh, this is this has made an impact on a couple of listeners. Uh, Aaron Duran felt compelled, geek of the city, to write me this morning when he heard I'm doing this top five. Hard to believe. Uh, subject line: Top five. Don't choke with a smiley face. 
Uh, Aaron says, as a fellow student of all things David and the Seville's, that's the original band name for the Chipmunk Band. You ever wonder at some point if Aaron's boss is going to tune into this uh, radio station or maybe others in the CBS cluster and wonder if Aaron's doing any actual work? <laughs> it says, it makes me feel good to know that, A, we both have a sad love of bad Brendan Fraser movies, which is true, uh, and, B, I'm no longer alone in my Chipmunk lore. True story, during my mom's uber-religious era, the Chipmunks were the only secular music I was allowed to listen to because... Man Cannot Live by Salty, that's P-S-A-L-T-Y, the singing psalm alone. So, this is going to strike a chord with Uh, Aaron Duran. uh, So, these now, did you do, when you came up with these top five songs by the Chipmunks that are not the Chipmunk song, did you do these from memory? Or did you Uh, have to go canvas your catalog? I had to canvas the catalog because there is a Touchstone album in my collection that I will get to later in the countdown. Uh, But also... uh, May have been grounds for divorce last night as I was trying to compile it because my wife can't stand the sound of the Chipmunks and I'm not allowed to watch uh, or see the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie starring right. Jason Lee. Yeah. Now, do you have a copy that we'll have Tim actually count it down that you oh. can give your color comment? Oh, I don't, yeah, well, I, yeah, I'll attempt to do that. Why don't you take a look at that, Tim, and I may have to borrow that list there a little later. Here All we right. go. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five, five for uh, four, Thursday. Three, two, one, fire. Wonderful counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting Are you looking for more kitten videos over there? I'm trying to find the meowing in unison. I found the two-faced cat. Here's, here's Tim Riley with today's top five. I love this show. Long before they pooped on Journey, Led Zeppelin and Bob Marley, the chipmunks have left their undeniable mark on many a tune. Here is a walk down memory lane of the best, or is it the worst? Song the Chipmunks ever recorded that are not their holiday favorite, the Chipmunks song. But honorable mention going to Coward of the County by the Chipmunks. Yes, off of 1981's Urban Chipmunk. Oh, jeez. Get ready. Just want everyone to know. If you're familiar with this song, the gang rape scene is not included in no, this they've, version. They've excised They've excised the gang rape scene in Coward of the County. It, I think they just described it as beating up Tommy's best friend. <laughs> yes, Tommy was... Tommy took Alvin's uh, harmonica, I believe, was the reason. Really? And yes, and so Tommy... Uh, yeah. Tommy was asking for it. You know, we've been talking a lot lately uh, about things that really are, in a strange way, quintessentially American. Like Joe the Plumber writing his memoirs, which I guess are going to be out December 1st. Yes. Less than two weeks. I'm going to have a heat liberty scribbling away in a hotel room right now. And so is this. I mean, when you think about it, this is just the tiniest, most minuscule gimmick that they have just parlayed into like 15 albums. And I, I, I kid you not, there's an article in the New Newsweek that explains the phenomenon of the chipmunk that 50 years later, it's still going. I mean, it's just... It's just the tiniest it's, shred it's of really an idea. Uh, one side note, I had to explain to my wife, Tracy, last night that, yes, there was a gang rape scene in oh, Coward yeah. of the County. She's like, you just ruined the song for me. They took turns at Becky, yeah. and there were there three, three of them. them. Right. Did you ever right. see the movie Coward of the County? Yes, I did. Did, uh, did he walk with a limp in that one as well, Kenny Rogers? Uh... And it was because it was what's his guts from uh, uh, the Waltons. Uh, John Boy, uh, Richard John Thomas, Boy, Richard Thomas, and the Waltons. He played Tommy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and 
All I remember is like uh, after the uh, raping, uh, he he goes into the, her room because you know because uh, Becky was a she you know she was like making a dress I think like a wedding dress yeah. and she had whatever the mannequin body or whatever yeah. you put the dress on and it was all like torn yeah. Which is just weird. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like unless they, were, unless they were like putting that down and using that on the surface on which to violate her. No, no, no. Make her lay down on top of this mannequin. I did find on YouTube there is a video of Coward of the County that's CGI uh, of Coward of the County. You may want to check it out. It's done like in Sim style. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> that's what I want to see. I want to see famous videos and songs acted out by the Sims. <laughs> Except, uh, never mind. All right, All right. move on. Rape power, 10. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Number five, Call Me, the Chipmunks. Yes. A touchstone album for me, 1979's Chipmunk Punk. And this is creepy, too, because they don't change the lyrics. I don't get it. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being ironic. Okay. Yeah. But you own it, though. I, I, you own it. I got it for my birthday when so I was nine. Yeah, sort of. My wife owns Urban Chipmunk on vinyl. I also own that on vinyl. Yeah. I admit it. Yeah. Are you familiar with the song, Sarah Dillon? Blondie? You know what movie this came from? American Gigolo. I live in the United States of America. Of course, I know who Blondie is. Oh, okay. Just face. check it. Ouch. I remember yes. this. I had a Toyota Celica with a sunroof. Really? Yeah. Down the PCH. No, I'm used to asking me like if I know obscure bands I've never heard of that you're, you're always like, have you heard of Above Montreal? I'm like, I don't know, Chris Paddock. Okay. Like, all right. All right. You know, the weird thing <laughs> about Touché, it. Touche, Sarah Dillon. Touche. <laughs> and this is a, a, the creepy wait, thing wait, about wait, wait. this. Pause right here. Check out this lyric. <laughs> Roll me in designer sheets. I'll never get enough. Yes. I, I feel sick. Can I just say this? And I, I say this with no... I say this with no judgment or whatever, cause, and, I, and I really mean that truly. I, I don't care. It's a big world. Whatever, Whatever's going to make anybody happy. But don't you suspect that these records are really big in the furry community? Oh, totally, yes. yes. Seriously. I'm pumping it out to this. I mean, I smell your yeah. fur and cheap perfume. Yeah. You know that there's some furry... Yeah, and that's like his SIG file on his email and with like a little pink rose. The yeah. ringtone? So, exactly. <laughs> nice. I mean, you know, and whatever, but I, it, it, you know, it's like the, it's like the travel lodge bear. I've shown you those. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. The weirdly sexualized travel lodge He's bear. He's kind of sleepwalking, but maybe he just had the date rate drug. Well, I wasn't. Well, that went dark really quickly. <laughs> Sorry. No. Why would you think about the Travel Hutch Bear being given the date rape drug? Because <laughs> he's kind of like in his on that broken head of yours. <laughs> I, I am so, broken. I'm, I'm broken. up the chipmunks singing and then rolling into the <laughs> really, Everything I was going to so say was real, so much it? less disturbing than that. <laughs> this is really upsetting. What? There was less disturbing I'm than that. I'm moving over to the other side of the studio. <laughs> in date raping the Travel Lodge Bear? <laughs> furry community. The furry community is date raping going, the yeah, Travel That's what it's going for. Oh, never mind. Well, it's got to be another group that wants a weekend show. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Tim Riley, kind of the top five chipmunk songs that are not the chipmunk songs. Number four, believe it or not, the theme for the greatest American hero. Yes. Originally done by who? Who are we raping to this song, Chris Pat? <laughs> William Cat? <laughs> Robert Culp. <laughs> wow, you hit the post. That's what I did. <laughs> yes, Joey Scarberry. The theme to the greatest American hero. What a great song. Written by... Uh, Joey Scarberry. No, that's not true. Mike Post. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I failed on that one. This also comes from the same album that the Chipmunks go to the movies. They do Eye of the Tiger. 
and Chariots of Fire, which I did play for you yesterday, Rick Emerson. And they make up their own lyrics? Yes, they harmonize to it, and part of the irony is there are no lyrics, and there's nothing for them to sing. Okay. Can I just tell you this? Uh, I won't mention who this is. You may have experienced this, Chris Paddock. We have a coworker. Mm-hmm. When you call this person's uh, cell phone and it goes to voicemail, this coworker of ours is singing their own. It's not even the Believe It or Not George isn't at home thing. They are singing like their own custom lyrics to the song as their voicemail greeting. Oh, yeah. And by my watch... It goes on for more than a minute and a half. And I had to call them twice once in oh. about ten minutes. I had to call them to ask them something. And then I had to call back and leave them like a, a, a clarifying message. No lie, this person's voicemail greeting is a version of this. Them singing it for over a minute and a half. And you can't hit one to bypass it. It's no. impossible. Brent Brysenthine, he has a message that's also very long. It's not as long as that one, though. Wait, there's another one. I think it's the My Three Dads uh, theme song as well. Maybe. Brent, yeah. Brent, though, if you call uh, Brent, who works on KUFO, um, he, his voicemail greeting is actually pretty great. It's like, I'm hiding in the crawl space from a serial killer who's stalking me through the house. And by ringing my phone, you've just alerted him to my presence, and now he's going to cut off my head. And it's kind of funny, but it goes on for like an hour. And every time you call Brent, you're like, oh, I know, serial killer, head cut off. Yeah, I get it. You might want to change it up every now and then. Like, maybe I'm raping the Travel Lodge bear right now. Richie, please excerpt that and send it to me. Uh, top five chipmunk songs that are not the chipmunk songs. Tim I Riley? walked into that bear trap, so to speak. Yes. Number three, twist and shout. God almighty, it never ends. Yes, we're only halfway we're through this. Done with the Beatles' blessings. <laughs> Is the Macarena number one? Oh, you can't wait to hear number one, Sarah Dylan. I will tell you this, Tim, you will find number one probably very amusing. It blew my mind when I heard it. Um, this, uh, David Seville, a.k.a. Ross Bagasarian, the uh, brain child of uh, the, the master behind the whole chipmunk phenomenon, met the Beatles. And ask them, physically ask them, yes, can we can we record a chipmunk record full of Beatles songs? And John, Paul, George, and Ringo said, sure! Now, it should be noted meet... that this is not a Lennon-McCartney composition. But if you were going to meet the Beatles, why would that be the first thing you asked them? Because <laughs> you need to cast it. Can check. I have your song sung by an imaginary rodent? <laughs> now, they're going to break it down here at one point. I believe it's recorded in Alvin's uh, Beetle wig falls oh, off. I hope we hear the whole thing. Oh, I hope we don't. It's only another 45 seconds here. Oh, really? I Yeah, I ran out of time. I oh. was loading. Oh, God. Wait. Alvin. Alvin. Alvin, your wig is falling off. Yeah. Great your wig out. Wow. See, he's got to work in Alvin having an argument with Dave. Does he scream Alvin here in harmony? Oh, that would have been the perfect no, place for it. I'm criticizing the production of a bad. Chipmunks record. <laughs> Top five songs by the Chipmunks that aren't the Chipmunks songs. Tim? Number two, Good Girls Don't. Oh, yeah. Only at number two. Yeah. I, uh, I love torturing uh, Sarah Dillon right now. This is You're very upset with this top five. It's, it is torturous. I, think, I agree. I think it all went bad with the raping, Chris. No. <laughs> We're all trying horrible. to forget that, Chris. Yeah, let's, let's just not forget that. This is an odd oh, song for them to cover. Yes. Uh, I uh, owned uh, Chipmunk Punk. Again, this is from that album. And I only knew one Knack song at the time, and that was My Sharona. Sure. It was played every hour on the hour on the AM station. But this is like an album cut, and it's about like having sex with a, with a teenager. It's a groupie who puts out when the, when, the, when the good girls say no. Wait. 
good girls don't. But, but I, do. I do. Oh, my God. That's really creepy. So Alvin isn't bothering to change. Are these just the chipmunks or the chipettes? These are the chipmunks. So the sexuality is very fluid with the chipmunks. And, and really, the furthest thing from punk, the, the knack was not punk. They were new wave. Right. Billy Joel's You May Be Right is on chipmunk punk as well. That is not punk rock. But why is Alvin singing Good Girls Don't But I Do? Is it like if the girl's on home, you can always call up Alvin? I guess. I guess. Any port in the storm? <laughs> if you're a furry, Alvin's there. Wow. Wow. It does end, too, with a creepy, but I do. <laughs> really? Wait, yeah. Do you yeah. picture Richie doing that without any, without any trouble <laughs> yeah. at all? Actually, I'm looking forward to Richie doing some sort of banana dance to this. What's a banana? Never mind. Oh, no, I, no, no, no. I withdraw the question. Yeah, please do. All right. Counting down. Sarah, we're at number one. Yay. Counting down the top five <laughs> chipmunks. Do you know there's somebody? Can I just tell you this? You just, uh, can I just turn that up for just one second, sir? Uh, turn it off or up? Up. There's somebody tuning in right now who hasn't heard the setup, and they think they're tripping. There's somebody right now, and they're thinking it's like a flashback. It's, oh, I've finally gone mental. All right. Uh, top five chipmunk songs uh, that are not the chipmunk song. Number one, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. <laughs> yep. Deep chipmunk voice. This is from 1960s. Sing along and sing again with the chipmunks. Can I point out, it's catchy. <laughs> Can I point out, this song is, is, this song is about slavery. So, uh, did you notice there was a wacky sound effect in there, too? That was mixed in like a boom. Let's play it again. Yeah. Yeah, this is, um. From the beginning, nonetheless. Oh, yeah. A bassoon or something, a kettle drum. Yeah, this song is about the Underground Railroad. Yeah. And uh, escaping yes. uh, enslavement in the yeah. South. And Alvin and the Chipmunks recorded a version. How wrong is that? Because why not? Why not? I would imagine this is out of print. They probably don't release this uh, on the box. Set. I have news for you, everybody. It's available on iTunes. Really? You can download it for 99 cents. It's hard to calculate the number of ways in which this is offensive. <laughs> it's just wrong. I mean,. This is like the collected works of Maya Angelou, as recited by. I mean, really, I mean, that's really what this is. I know why the caged chipmunk sings. <laughs> wow. I mean, seriously, this song, this would be like having the chipmunks recite the I Have a Dream speech <laughs> next MLK Day. You know, as a tribute. Yeah, pretty offensive, Good huh? God almighty. What do you think about that, Tim Riley? Hmm. Riley, get the kids together. <laughs> Is that a more wacky sound effect? I'm turning it off. Wide whistle. We're done. No, no, no. We're uh, wow. no, no, no. We're yeah. We're gonna we're gonna end, we're ending this now, as they say. Wow, that was. Uh, thank we're you gonna, for giving um, me a chance to work it out. And to everyone who was on acid, I, uh, I apologize. I, you know, I, I got to tell you, I really, I don't even know how to. Uh, I don't even know how to characterize uh, that top five. I have no. 
Art. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. So I'm now we go can, with art. Thank you for doing it. So we can now uh, now never play it again. <laughs> All right, Chris Paddock, ladies thank and gentlemen. You. Well done, sir. Thank you. So I'll place in the break. We'll get a little. That's just clapping for himself. That's right. Thank <laughs> you. We'll wash the taste of that out of us. All right. Back after this, yeah! this is Rick Emerson Radio Program. I don't know, but the answer is almost certainly yes. No, the, I'm looking at... We'll talk to... Uh, <coughs> pardon me. Dorothy Carcassar from the Inquirer here in a few. Now, they got something about Chase Crawford. Chance Crawford. Oh, Chase Crawford from Gossip Girl. From Gossip Girl. Apparently, he's the prince of pilfering. Who knows what that means? Is that uh, one of those video games? Uh, he looks like a douche. Uh, you know what he looks like? He looks like, uh, he looks like a 20-year-old Aaron Eckhart. Uh, oh, they're all like children, so I can't even say that. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is one of those stories where the this is one of those stories where the headline seems really interesting and then it's not. He can I swear to God, this is what it is. I love the Inquirer. He's confessing to stealing chewing gum when he was a child. The end. Uh, all right, uh, Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer and a bit. James Roop from Los Angeles uh, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, this is rather unnerving. An airline attendant helps land a plane after the pilot is sedated yeah. while having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. This happened quite some time ago. I guess back in January. An Air Canada co-pilot had a mental breakdown. He had to be forcibly removed from the cockpit, restrained, sedated, and a flight attendant with flying experience helped the pilot safely land the plane. This report by the Irish Air Accident Investigation Unit. Are there that many in Ireland that they have to have their own unit? Where are you, I, I mean, I, well, I was going to say where are you flying to. I guess anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So, uh. so uh, this uh, woman is applauded for the decision making 
of the pilot and the uh, the cockpit skills of the flight attendant who stepped into the co-pilot's seat for an emergency uh, landing. This is like one of those things that Mythbusters started. Remember, they already have, and there's like a billion episodes of Mythbusters. But the thing about, you know, you see that in every movie, right, where it's like the the, the pilot, uh, you know, dies or goes nuts or, you know, whatever. And, it, and they have to get like some guy, like some Ted Stryker guy to sit uh, down there and then they talk him down from the ground. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if that's true. Also this, who here knows what autopilot actually does? I mean, flip a button, a light comes up, and it says autopilot. I thought it just flies the plane. I think but, so. Because okay, the plane's but, already pre-programmed to be on a certain course. But see, what does that mean, it flies the plane? It doesn't, like, steer and all that stuff, I does it? I think so, yeah. Is yeah. that true? Yeah. How do you know this? Neither of you is in a position to know that. Um, I've seen movies where they've had to use autopilot, Rick, and I see the thing moving by itself. This is collapsing with just the slightest bit of pressure. You don't know. I've seen this even back in 40 serials. They didn't have, well, they, but, they, but even then, that, well, okay, but then it must have just been flat out made up. They didn't have autopilot in the 40s. They didn't even have microwaves. Yes, they did. No, they did. They had microwaves back in the 40s. Yes, they did. Well, they didn't have home Two microwaves. Three people said it. It must be true. No. Fine. I'm just saying, that, okay, they had microwaves in the sense of, like, radio transmission, but they didn't have, like, a microwave like you cook eggs in or something. So they couldn't have had autopilot. Maybe they did. They just didn't release it to the public. I guess That's how it is. I... <laughs> That's a great statement that can just make anything go, well, you know how it is. That's like, you know... How are things going? What can you do? You know, okay. I would be curious to know if the autopilot, if it just, like, keeps the plane, uh, I don't know, like, moving forward or something, or if it... Apparently, it works good enough for every plane to have one. I guess. They flip the switch and do we, autopilot. Well, here's a question. Do, Sit back and relax. Do we know that planes actually have autopilot, or is that a thing we know solely because we've seen it in films? I would imagine they all do with standard equipment, isn't it? Uh, well, maybe. Okay. Well, uh, in any event. So... So they talked her down, though, to the ground. Yeah, so the co-pilot was not in good uh, professional shape on the day of the flight, arriving late to the cockpit. And after all the safety checks had been completed, uh, apparently his behavior worsened as they were out airborne. And the co-pilot advised him to take a lengthy break for naps in the meal. <laughs> so they're over the middle of the Atlantic. The co-pilot begins uh, a rambling and disjointed uh, conversation, takes another nap, refuses to buckle his seatbelt, and uh, he was not observing the safety procedures. He became belligerent and uncooperative and wouldn't do his job. Fantastic. So the pilot su- summoned several flight attendants to remove the co-pilot from the cockpit. One flight, flight attendant uh, had an injured wrist in the struggle. The report did not mention how the co-pilot was restrained. The parting passengers at the time said his arms and legs had been tied up to keep him under control. Oh, that is so freaky. Can you, Thank first, you for flying with us. Uh, <laughs> the, and you said that they wouldn't find out about this until months later, which means that nobody in the plane must have known at the time. Which means Somebody they must have seen it. But see, they signed something to keep them quiet. See, but that's the thing. Like, do you think? Did they sign? Did they get everybody on? The, did they buy off all the passengers? More than likely. Because otherwise, that means that they had to go into the cockpit and like wrestle this guy down to the ground and hogtie him, like with a telephone cord, without anybody even knowing it. Because otherwise, I'm picturing them having like trussed up the co-pilot who's gone nuts and then dragging him down the aisle of the plane, sticking him in the bathroom at the back. Mm. But they couldn't have done that because somebody would have said something or other. So they must have had to, like, you know, look over there, go into the cockpit. Imagine that. Imagine you're sitting there and you're in a plane. You're maybe a little nervous anyway, uh, you know, and, you you know, maybe your stomach is a little uneasy and, you know, the rumbling. And If you look to your left, you'll witness some red burns. <laughs> Wind shear. But then the cockpit door swings open and you can see them wrestling the pilot to the ground and tying him up. Imagine, imagine the number of strokes they would immediately have. Can I just tell you this? Susan Reynolds, her uh, husband's flying to, uh, to Hong Kong. Or yeah. Tokyo, some such, someplace. Um, and apparently, I shouldn't be laughing. I guess it's not really funny, 
It's just one of those things that you can visualize, and you're glad it's not you. He was on like a 14-hour flight to Hong Kong, and many, many people on the flight, apparently there was some sort of uh, food sickness, Mm -hmm. and apparently many people on this 14-hour flight all began vomiting at the same time. They were not able to get to a bathroom, nor to the bag. Just like seven or eight people, including him. Like, you know, if you look to the left, you'll... (laughs) And then just everywhere, so it's no good. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, Rick, how's it going today? What do you got? Uh, autopilot's kind of like oh. cruise control. It just maintains your speed and heading and things like that, but you still have to steer the plane. So that, okay, so it goes, in other words, it keeps flying in the same direction, more or less, but you got to like, but, you, but it's not like going to land itself or something. No, no, you have to land it. You have to still sit there and, and, and watch it. And on Mythbusters, they did do an episode already about oh, really? okay. can you talk somebody down on a jet. And they used a uh, simulator, and they proved the, you know, Mythbuster style. They could talk somebody down and land a plane. All right, then. Fantastic. Well done. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah. All right, there you go. All right, sir. Did you talk to Richie? Yes. Yeah, I said no to Dorothy. We're going to have to reschedule because she had to go out of town or something. Come on. All right, that's fine. Uh, well, let's do a couple more. We'll break, and we'll come back and be on time. Let's uh, do a hick watch. Here's your hick watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Copenhagen makes me feel scared. Copenhagen, way I know it should. I'm pulling you in my mouth, go spitting, slobbering all around the house. Copenhagen makes me feel scared. Deadline, Boise, Idaho. The mayor of an eastern Idaho town where second and third grade students on the school bus chanted, assassinate Obama after the election is publicly apologizing. Uh, saying there's no excuse for such behavior. Is it as you go on to lie and say that it's in no way representative of the citizens of Idaho? Mm. Uh, Rexburg Mayor Sean Larson wrote in a guest editorial sent Tuesday to local newspapers that he was saddened uh, about the news from this incident, mm-hmm. which reached uh, national uh, coverage. He told the AP that a formal response to the incident in this city was sorely needed. When people don't stand up and say that's inappropriate, that's wrong, those are hateful comments, it's almost like they're saying that it's an okay thing to do, and it's not. And now where is this? Boise, Idaho? Outside of Boise, Idaho. Outside of that, even better. Outside of Boise, Idaho. Uh, The mayor doesn't have any authority over the school system, but I do think it reflects upon the community. Idaho voters overwhelmingly favor John McCain in the presidential election. In Madison County, where Rexburg is located, 85% chose McCain. Uh, Larson wrote, there is no explanation for hateful and vile comments about a man uh, who is about to leave the nation. I feel extremely sorry that the incident occurred. I do not believe it reflects on the values that make our community a great place to live. Said Larson, Paris must have realized that things said in anger or even in jest can have lasting repercussions, not only damaging young hearts and minds, but the city's reputation. Doesn't matter. They're born in, Bo- in Boise. They've got no chance. Mm-hmm. I, mean, it's just, I mean, really, just start over again next time. There's your hick watch for Thursday. Uh, and we'll take a break after in just a moment here, but I just wanted to show you all before we do that. Well, I put a little chew in my mouth, go spitting, slobbering all around the house. Well, yeah, so apparently Dorothy's on assignment right now, but I'm looking at the Inquirer. Uh, a couple things. One, have you seen this full, like, caught in the absolute daylight photograph of the guy that Cindy McCain was making out with? Mm-mm. Okay, now hold on. Before you come look, do you remember the photo where it was, like, kind of in shadow? 
Sort of in the dark. Uh, kind of got a little... Si- he was like you could be like a, like a guitar player for a Jimmy Buffett cover band. Totally, exactly. Okay, so now we've got an actual photo of the guy. Your tongue. Yeah, now... No. Now oh. come, come check out the photo of the guy here. So here is a... Uh, here's a photograph of the guy that Cindy McCain uh, was, was making out with. So there you go, right there. Oh. Yeah, see, that's no good. Like that right there. Isn't that what I'm saying? I mean, she's got, she's got like $20 million. She could do better than this guy. Yeah, that's he's unappealing. He kind of looks like a potential murderer. He really does. Hugh Jackman, so Hugh Jackman is unattractive, and these guys from the Twilight movie look like douchebags. Oh yeah. I mean, there's just no getting around that. All right, uh, take a break. Back after this, Jim Roop coming up in the next hour, as well as High Concept Thursday. Stay there. Oh, and we've got the new Guns N' Roses single. Also, I've got the whole new Guns N' Roses album, Chinese Democracy. In my I hand. listened to that last night and this morning. You know what? I it was given to me this morning, and I keep forgetting I have it. So there you go. I, it's like I look away and it falls out of my memory. Back after this. Rick Emerson radio program. 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. If you will talk to uh, CNN radio correspondent James Roop. This is not really a whole, this is not a topic, or I'm just mentioning this. You said the weirdest things on Craigslist, which I know goes without saying. This one's from Clark County. Looking for a male Quaker. A male Quaker? I guess, unless it's like a crude sexual term that I'm not familiar with. All right. It's uh, it really, and if, if it is, I would urge you to reassess the vernacular you use in that area of your life. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From Los Angeles, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. And I do love L.A. Do you indeed? With everything in you? Because it keeps me employed. Because without it, can I just tell you this? Here's, here's, I got an email uh, earlier this morning. Let's see. I got a ton of email today, but I just, where did this go? I got the, an email that I, I, got the, I never really would have anticipated. Oh, here we go. And I don't think there's actually any body to this. I think it's just the subject line. Listener sends me this email this morning. Says, hey, any chance for a random update on the Phil Spector trial? Just wondering. So, I, I mean, I guess somebody cares. Uh, Jim Roop, random update on the Phil Spector trial? You know, I've been covering the Lori Drew trial, so I haven't really been over to the uh, other side of the building for the Phil Spector trial. In fact, I don't even know. It might even be in recess for a while, for all I know. I haven't seen anything on it. No oh, the, the, the Lori uh, Drew was the, uh, that hideous woman that created the fake ID, and then the, the other girl hung herself. Yeah, yeah, the mother of uh, Megan Meyer, right. 13-year-old. She's been on the stand the past two days. So they, uh, what, what is the general, in your, what is the general tone uh, of that uh, of that trial, they're going to uh, you know they're going to stick that woman in the huskow. I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to read the jury here um, because the judge was really good at telling them this is not about this is not a murder case. It's not a suicide case. It's right. about uh, internet fraud and conspiracy. And they tried to keep the suicide evidence out of the trial, although you can't. No, because everybody knows about yeah, it. I mean. you know. Plus, it's it's pretty germane to the entire case. However, um, the, the jury is not allowed to consider this case based on that very strange well and that's but i got to tell you though man it's uh 
<laughs> I mean, this lady's facing four felony counts that could give her up to 20 years in prison, and, you know, she deserves every minute of it. Oh, no, she's clearly a terrible person. I mean, yeah. she's obviously an awful and person. she doesn't seem remorseful at all. Well, that's the other thing is she just, I mean, even when this, this like, the whole thing happened with the, with the girl uh, killing herself, that, you know, that, that whole family, man, they just seemed like such bastards about it. Well, you know, she had her assistant help her set up that MySpace thing, and when Megan Myers, when the report of her suicide happened, this lady, this uh, Grills, I think is her last name, said that she called me and told me to keep to shut up about it, not to say anything. Yeah. So, I mean, go figure. That is a... That just, is because, a... just because the two daughters had a falling out. My daughter, you know, gets ticked off at her friends every other day. Yeah. No, I... Know, I mean, there's always a falling out. I mean, girls are just nutty. Seriously. Amen to that. That is absolutely... And I tell you that uh, that's called, I think, also being an accomplice after the fact. That, that whole, uh, you know, don't say anything to anybody. Look, if the man comes asking, you don't even know who I am. Yeah, see? Exactly. That's uh, that's conspiracy. I think is actually what that is. Yeah, so. well, that is. That's it's a, it's conspiracy and internet fraud. Those are the there's four counts. I think there's one count of conspiracy and then and three counts of conspiracy. I I do have to tell you though, this is one of those um, trials where I think at a certain point, how do I put this? I believe in the eyes uh, of many uh, on the internet. You know, the sort of online world. Yeah. I think this had better go in their estimation uh, the right way. Oh, or there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be some other justice meted out somewhere. That would be my read on this. I'm I think not... the, fr- the frustration with a lot of people involved in this trial, with the exception of the defense, of course, is that there's no precedent for cyberbullying. Right. So this is really, it's kind of uncharted territory. They're trying to figure out how to work this, and all they can really work right now are the same kind of laws that are used to to prosecute hackers. And and maybe this, if this goes the right way. Maybe they can finally move into some serious consequences for cyberbullying, especially when they lead to such drastic consequences there as somebody committing suicide. Uh, uh, let's see. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Before we do anything else, I may have asked you this before. Do you watch The Shield? I, I did. I used to. I love it. Um, so I, I know, you know, it's, uh, I won't spoil anything, but, you know, we're coming up on the end of the series. And uh, what is today? There's a, this last Tuesday was the second to last episode. Next Tuesday? Final episode ever, done, finished, over. Oh, yeah. You're so right. here's the thing. So I'm just saying, I don't I mean, you sounds like you kind of got your plate full. I would be interested to know the opinion of L.A. cops about The Shield. What do they think about it? Or maybe a sidebar article about how L.A. cops have been depicted in the media throughout the years. That's a great question. I'm just saying because, it, you know, if, like if you go for the longest time, I forget exactly what it was like the main, the central location for the LAPD, where like the chief or whatever worked. Maybe still is the case. You walked in there. Uh, they had mounted in a lucite block in the lobby Joe Friday's badge. Yeah. And it was, you know, one of those. Still there. Yeah, it was, it was because he was considered by many people to be such an archetype of a certain type of cop. Yeah. You know, and very no-nonsense and, you know, just the facts and all that. Uh, you know, and then there was, whatever, there was like chips and, you know, there's a whole bunch of kind of garbage in the 70s and the 80s. As the Shield, which is, you know, of course, the Shield is based on a real, it's based on all the Rampart scandals, yeah. uh, you know, based on a real thing. So I would be curious to know, you know, it, 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 when an actual cop sits there and watches a show like The Shield, what are they, you know, what are they... I think they it? wish they could be Michael Chiklis. Probably go in there and beat some pedophile with yeah. a phone book. You know, I mean, yeah. to me, you know, the little rough justice that's done is necessary. And the reason why it, crime is getting so bad, I think, is because cops, you might as well put the handcuffs on the cops. They can't do a thing anymore. If I ever become a gay stripper, I'm going to be a cop, and my name's going to be Rough Justice. 
<laughs> just so you know. We've hired Rough Justice for tonight. Mm, 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 and then I just come out on the stage. Um, so I'll just, you know, just something I'd be curious about, because you, you always hear, and we'll get back to the actual news here in a second, but I, you always hear that there's two, there's two series that cops always point to. Uh, recently, a lot of cops have pointed to The Wires being very realistic, and then the other one was uh, Barney Miller. And they always said that Barney Miller was an incredibly realistic show because nothing ever happened. It was a bunch of cops sitting around in an underfunded, dirty, dank squad room typing out paperwork. Hey, and, man, and if you visit some of the squad rooms, they look like that. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know. The old a, metal desks. Yeah, just everything is, uh, everywhere. everything's from 1942. You're typing on an Underwood, uh, you know, and, yeah, broken window that never seems to get fixed. Too cold in the winter, too hot in the summer. And you spend all your time uh, typing up some arrest report for like a guy spitting on the sidewalk somewhere. Yeah. So anyway, it's just uh, one well, of the... I got to ask you one more question about the shield. Yeah. When you started watching it, did did it take you a while to believe to separate the commish well, from I, Michael? Ch- it the... took me a while until he until he beefed up and all that stuff. I I, I couldn't separate him. I I have to tell you that I actually was sort of lucky in that I never saw the commish. Oh. I, uh, Sarah was making that uh, point. Sarah's yeah, like, he's always the commission in my mind. I can't picture him as anything else. And he was kind of like a big teddy bear in that show, right? Yeah, that was his. Was, yeah. And I, I have to actually say, you know, it's kind of one of those holes in my pop culture knowledge. I'll have to. In fact, I'll just ask you. I have no idea what that show's about. I have no idea what was the. I'll do it James Lipton style. Here's going to be my James Lipton inside the actor studio. Jim Roop, please tell our audience what was the commission. It's kind of like the day-to-day bumblings of the police commissioner. Was it a comedy? I don't know. Was it, Sarah? It's, it's a commission comedy. It was I don't really remember a lot of specifics. I just remember he, he'll just forever be tied to that silly. title. It, it, it just seemed silly. It was, he was bumbling. He, he was, was like a, a wonky, with like a wonky hat, I remember. And yeah. Right. Just like a kooky guy. And, you know, he's, a, you know, he's chubby and, you know, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. But you know what I mean. Yeah, but, I mean, it was, you know, but he was just kind of a non-threatening guy. Yeah. And then, you know, you see, you watch The Shield, and I think he has actually said that he didn't think they believed him until he bulked up, shaved his head, and yeah. went in there and just, like, stared at them for, like, ten minutes. Yeah, that's exactly that, – that's, yeah. that's when I started to dig The Shield was when he really made that, that transformation to who his character should be. I got, there's two other things that Michael Chiklis <clears> – pardon me <clears> – <throat> two other things that Michael Chiklis did. He, if you watch um, – it's one of my favorite movies. You watch Oliver Stone's Nixon – there's the sequence where uh, Kennedy and Nixon are debating on television, their famous TV debate. And Chiklis is actually the guy, he's the engineer in the control room running the debate. And uh, somebody's asking a sort of confrontational question. And James Woods goes, go to, go to commercial. Or I guess, it's like, I guess it's like a town hall meeting Nixon had bought, had paid for. And James Woods is Bob Hall. was like, go to commercial. And Chiklis goes, no commercials, pal. You bought the whole hour. And like, that's it. That's just one line. The other thing he did, and you uh, will remember the imbroglio about this film, Michael Chiklis played John Belushi in the movie Wired. Yeah. Uh, which is, of course, based on the controversial book of the same name. And the movie was very scandalous when it came out. It was a big box office disaster. And he uh, he says he was actually kind of blackballed for a while because of his participation in that movie. So, then, you know, good to see him making good, though. You know? Yeah, he's a good guy. I've talked to him a few times. Really? Michael Chiklis? Yeah. Is he, what's he, uh, I hate to be this I mean, this guy, what's he really like? I, well, mean, I, don't, know, he, I don't know what he's really like. But I know he, what he's he, like. He, you know, his, when you meet him, is, do you have a vibe of, you know, he's not aggressive. He doesn't have like, a, like an No, he's, not, he's nowhere near aggressive. Um, but he's, he's very confident. Let's, let me put it that way. Right. But I don't really know him. I just know who he is when he's 
at you know some a function that's a Hollywood function and you get a chance to talk to his him. press face. So when I you know I, so let me qualify when I say oh yeah I, I like him I've talked right. to him a few times I don't know any of these guys I just have spoken with him in that context of them having to be nice to me because I'm press. But see you know but you can I think get a good sense because uh, of an actor that even that way through that prism because look how many actors really need to be nice to the press because the press is going to talk about their stuff and they're still jerks like you know this cage. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and they're still just like dicks about it. And you're just like, wait, like that, yeah. you're like, I'm trying, trying to help you, friend. Uh, and me, like, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is that way. You know, Joaquin Phoenix, one of those guys where he's like so into like, I'm a tortured, I'm a craftsman. I saw him recently. Really? He's let himself go. <laughs> really? Well, he's uh -huh. retiring. What does he care? So, I mean, it just, was it more of like a, uh, more of a fat thing or more of a greasy more thing? Of a, it was more of a just let himself go. It was everything from his <laughs> hair to his look to his weight. It was like, wow, man, I, I didn't recognize him. Kind of an all-over bag. You know, and, and I got to say, though, in, in some defense of the, of the Hollywood types, is that because, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but it really the tabloids and the paparazzi just make them all gun-shy. Yeah. And they all become Brad Garrett. Oh, that's true. You know, and they start running away and pushing you away, and I don't care if it says CNN on your microphone or not, they just don't want to deal with it, you know? Well, I think, uh, you know, Tom Likas was talking about this the other day. He was talking to some somebody who was saying, who had a real skittish relationship with the press, and the guy said, you know, it used to be that if you were out, you know, you get caught with drugs, or you and your mistress fall out of a cab into the street, you know, they're going to take a photograph of that. But now it's not even that. It's like, you know, you're walking to the store to buy some milk. And there's some guy shoving a microphone in your face going, how are you feeling today? No, and it's just, you know, and he gets a, you get a little freaky about it. Yeah. And I think it was actually, here's another person, I can't believe that, I, you, you, that I'm sort of defending her because she's such a shrill, off-putting woman, Fran Drescher. She was talking about how she doesn't, somebody tries to chase her down for an autograph. She says no one keeps moving. And somebody pressed her on and she goes, well, you know, some guy in the street's going to come up to you for an autograph. He gets close enough for an autograph. You don't know if that's a pen or a gun coming out, you know, which is a fair point. I mean, you know. And, uh, you know, so I can, I guess I can say, oh, by the way, Michael Chiklis also played Curly in the Three Stooges movie. That's right. Goes from playing Curly to playing Vic Mackey. Boy. Dude. Anyway, but so when, whenever you get a chance. That's a range. When you, whenever you decide to catch up on The Shield, because, again, the final season, I mean, the whole show ends next week. I got to tell you, I won't give anything away, but, boy, dude, it's a long way down. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, that is like, that show is like 50,000 gray and then black steps into into darkness i mean it's just it's great but it, boy is it boy is it take you to a bad place at the end so um good to be in that place once in a while we'll get a couple of, a couple of these things i mean one is i don't even know where we are with this so the so the supreme court it's amazing how these things take forever and ever and ever to get through the system sometimes oh, and then other times it's like thing? yeah it's like a day and a half so now we're already at the place where the supreme court in california is like yeah we'll we'll hear it well it's it's just it's becoming a mess and everybody's involved in urging the Supreme Court to take a look at it. My problem is, it's you know, I think I said this before, it disenfranchises all those who came out to vote. And they and 52% said we want the term marriage to be uh, to, to be the definition of traditional marriage. And and uh, same-sex couples can have their same-sex unions and have all the exact rights that the married couples have. Well, we just don't going to call it marriage. So it's again, it's that word. I think we talked about this. It's that stinking word that everybody's all up in arms about. And if the Supreme Court takes a look at it, great. But I don't think they should. I think they're I think they're embarking in dangerous territory here. And I think they're going to find that it's not revising the Constitution. It's amending the Constitution. So they're going to say it's valid. Well, you can't invalidate that that. That uh, amendment. And so my question is, well, there's a whole lot of questions, because, like, if the Supreme Court 
like if the Supreme Court upholds the ban, then do these 19,000 people... They're going to address that, too. All right. That's so, one of the things they're going to talk about. They, they've said they're... They said they're going to definitely address that. But as for right now, no same-sex couple can get married. They put they, There's a stay on that. That's Because right now, that's the law. Right. As of November 5th, that's the law. It's uh, Gay marriage is banned in California. So they said nobody can get married. And we'll let you know about the rest of you 18,000 when we make our decision here. It's interesting because it does, I, we were saying this earlier, it's almost like you just want to skip to the bottom of the page and go to the U.S. Supreme Court because it's where it's going to end up anyway. My question is, and I think several people have, have, have said this, like, it seems like such a phenomenal misuse of, that's the, that's the wrong word. I, I, like, it's weird that stuff, anything, can even can get on the ballot if, if, if inevitably they're just going to say, well, like, look, it's, it's unconstitutional. It almost is to the point where now it seems like maybe all the states ought to just have systems in place to address all of this before it even can be put on the ballot. You know well, what I mean? I remember, I've t I told you this, I can't get anybody to answer the question, how did it get on the ballot if right. there's a question about its constitutionality? Right. How is it allowed to be there? That seems like they really are putting the cart before the horse or something else, because then it, no matter how it ends up, there's going to be some group on some side who said, well, thanks. Thanks for letting us spend $80 million on something that they could have just either disqualified or qualified from the very beginning. You know, so it's yeah, all it, not it, very complicated. Yeah, it, it's, it, the whole thing is convoluted. So when it, when it all comes to a head, and from what I understand, the written arguments are due December 19th, and, and the oral arguments could begin, as, I think, as early as March. So chances are I'll be there during right. all of that. Um, uh, Lord, I hope not. But that's, the chances are that's right. But you know what? Every time you say that, that's when I know that's I, when fate conspires to put you in Las Vegas for nine years. It's just gonna be silly. Yeah, I mean, it's just. I mean, it, and it, it being kind of played out uh, everywhere. And just speaking of sort of everything old being new again, so the, the one other thing. And I don't even. I, I, this is actually the first I've heard about this. So you are sort of the. Uh, you, you're the kind of my, my first point of contact in this. It says I'm just going to read this off the page. It says, "Could this year's Hollywood Awards season suffer the same fate as last year's?" Uh. CNN's. See that right there's the reaction. CNN's Jim Roop reports that a lot depends on today's meeting between. Wait for it. The Screen Actors Guild and Hollywood producers. Now with more CNN's Jim Roop. Nothing's going to happen. This is just all. This is is a, a, a move by SAG because they have to meet and they have to and, and the producers have to say this is our best and final offer and SAG has to say with the offer right. uh, and they'll ask for a strike vote. Is that actually... they're, aiming at, they're aiming at the award shows. Why do you think this is coming back now? Is that actually a choice on the SAG ballot when they take a vote? Yes, no, or... <laughs> and then right below that is get bent. <laughs> well, this is Hollywood. You know? Yeah. So but, th that's, and if they do that, I mean, if they really are seriously going after the award shows because they think it it did it, it, it did well for the writers. Right. They're morons. It's going to it's going to further divide <laughs> that union. And it's just it's going to destroy the whole uh. thing. I might as well move to Peoria because this place is going to have no industry whatsoever. Oh yeah. That is a whole burning Which village a to save it. Place I've been there. Peoria really? Yeah. You know, that's an interesting place because there there's that phrase in Hollywood, will it play in Peoria? And I wonder how Peoria ended up being the place that we like judge everything by. Like that, that somehow became the bellwether for everything. I think it sounds funny. You know who's from Peoria? No, Richard Pryor. Is, see, I didn't know that. Absolutely true. So there you go. I just drove through there uh, once. Yeah, I think he's, uh, they got like a plaque or something like in front of like where he was born. Uh, and then finally, here's one final thing. Uh, Tim Radley just handed this to me. Uh, apparently, they're doing uh, they're doing some whole some whole fight now, I guess, about neighboring 
it's like a fight over over uh, uh, um, gates. You yeah. know, sort of non-residents trying to get into gates, I guess, that, like, block off areas where, like, rich people live or something. Yeah, it's like a common gate. Like, you know, Denzel lives over there, so there's a huge gate, but, like, i got to get in because I live over there, you know, or some some crap. Well, for years they've been using that gate, the, both on the south end and the, and the, the uh, north end, they've been using the same gates. And finally they close that gate, and so what's happening now, and these are these are rich people, too, with big mansions, but they're just on the other side. Right. So now their maids and, every, and, and their servants and all that stuff have to drive like seven miles around the mountain to get, to get there, man. So what? Because I mean, Reba McIntyre doesn't want the front door open. Yeah, Reba open. McIntyre lives there, yeah. <laughs> I know crazy. what I'm talking about. I can, I can do references. So... Uh, it really is It really is great. And, and, and what, what, what's laughable to me is that it even makes the wire. You know? Yeah. That's just funny. This just in. Reba McIntyre doesn't want anybody using the gate. Stop <laughs> it now. On. Open up the stinking gate. What's going to happen is as soon as there's a fire there and somebody dies because they couldn't get out because that gate's locked, everybody's going to suffer. Yeah. So open up the stinking gate. Uh, let's just choose to blame Reba McIntyre for everything. <laughs> That'll make me happy. She seems like a mean, unlikable woman. All right. Really? She does, man. I see her. She seems like she is just made out of gristle and hate. That's just my assessment, you understand. I'm not asking anybody to concur. All right. On that note, the gristle and hate note, um, are you on tomorrow, sir? I am. All right. There you go. Remember, gristle and hate. Gristle and hate. I'm uh, going to look for that. Hey. I, I think I'm going to have some of that for Thanksgiving. There <laughs> you go. Thank you, Jim. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. There you go. Jim Roof, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello. That's a snappy shirt you're wearing today. I like that. Why, thank you. I like it as well, Tim Riley. Right. You get the both striped today. I'll wear it again tomorrow. Hey, can I tell you this? I went shopping the other day, and this is how long it's been uh, since I've actually bothered to pay attention to new, you know, because I'm, you know, like, you know, I'm like a lot of guys. I'll go and I'll buy a bunch of clothes that work, and then I'll wear them until they're gone. I'll wear them until they have actually fallen apart and they're just threads. So I go to, I go to shop, and they've introduced all these new cuts of clothing that, like, I've never heard of before. It's like when you go to, the, and I don't want to talk about the gap a lot, but it's like when you go to buy any jeans anywhere. And they've, they've invented, like, some new fit. What is this? Well, it's a straight taper boot cut under waist fit long stretch. And I go, well, what, is it, what does it look like? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like our adjusted relaxed boot cut straight fit, but it's a little bit bigger through the knee. Just go, just, what, tell me! You know, and you just don't understand. Apparently, they've started, there is now, do you know this? When you go to buy shirts, there's now shirts that have, quote, a modern fit. No. See, me either. Does that mean overweight? No. I no, see, but, places where they would sell modern fit shirts. See, I didn't know it either, but I'm like trying to not. And I, but, you know, it's that thing where I have a shirt that fits me, like a shirt in a certain size. And it's like, and I'm all happy. Here's, here's how retarded I am. I've actually written it down on a 3 by 5 card, right? This is, I've written down my shirt size. And so I can take it in and I can say, look, I, I need some new shirts. This is my size. Where should I go? And it was a struggle enough, by the way, to figure out the difference in a fitted and a non-fitted shirt. I finally had to chase some woman down and basically threaten her with an axe handle to get her to tell me the difference. Because I kept saying, what's the difference? I go, well, it's a different cut. And I go, well, oh, but, like, what is the difference? What does that mean? Uh, you'd be obnoxious if they're busy. You're like, what's the, tell me the difference. No, no, no. We want to sit down and have a conversation. With I, but, but, see, but doesn't it seem like it's a simple question? What's the difference between a standard fit and a, re- and a fitted shirt? Do you know the difference? No, but I mean, I don't really care. Just whatever one fits me better. So I'd just try on both of them and then see. But, but see, is it fitted more like, I would think fitted would probably be more contour. It, it comes in a little bit at the waist. Yeah. It is four inches narrower at the waist. But you know what? And I'm not trying to be, and I don't mean to be like an over-demanding cut. I had to ask five different people, which means that A, they're unhelpful, and B, they don't know what they're talking about. Fifth person, she, and she, without even looking up, she goes, yeah, it's four inches narrower at the waist. I'm like, okay, great, fine. 
So then I go to some other store, and then we'll break after this, come back with news. And I'm like, hey, so I uh, I need a fitted shirt uh, in the following size. And I tell her my neck size and my sleeve size. And I said, I need a fitted shirt. She, goes, she says that she goes, we don't sell fitted shirts. And I said, that's too bad. I'd really like to buy some clothes to cover my naked body. And she says, we have standard fit and modern fit. And it was that where you just kind of slump a little bit and go, Ugh. you can just see like another hour of your life just gone as I'm trying to figure out. So now i got to carry like, i got to carry like a Richard Simmons deal a meal thing with me everywhere I go, depending on what depending on what kind of shirt and what store I'm going to be at. No, 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 I need a standard boot-cut shirt with a relaxed waistline and a cuff. Can you help me? Please, for the love of God. I wouldn't keep shopping at this particular store that I won't name if they didn't have such incredibly hot floor girls. Seriously, it's not the Gap either. I say inadvertently slandering all the women who work at the Gap. Let's take a break. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. We return with Tim Riley and news. Yes? Yes. Exciting. I'm going to have some more Visa. Stay there. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. the Rick Emerson radio program uh, from Chinese Democracy, which I'm holding in my hands, the whole thing. I haven't seen the cover. Seen the cover. Listen to that. I'm speaking to you through Chinese Democracy. Me, See, uh, and you doubted that it would even come out. I know. I was uh, up, until, up until Lisa put it in my hand this morning. She goes, hey, I thought you want to copy this. And she hands it to me, and I went, really? And I opened it up expecting it to be like a note from Axel Rose going, swindled again, or just nothing. 
Yeah, just the, the thank you page. is like three pages of thank you. Uh, thank you. Tiny little minuscule. Thank. Ten years of people to thank. No, no, no. Seventeen. Seventeen? No, I was kind of hoping that he would just pop up like some sort of evil jack-in-the-box and be like, you know, the suckers and the vanish and, you know, appear again in another 15 years. Not to be, though, so oh, there you go. Awesome. Yeah. I just hope it's good. It would be like J.D. Salinger coming back and, you know, holding a press conference and his new novel blows. Yeah, I had heard this song. Um, I was listening to this last night. and I This really is not a bad song. song. This song is actually uh, not bad at all. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Hello, Tim Riley. Howdy, howdy. How are you? Couldn't be better. Is that true? Yes, it is. Excellent. Good I to hear. It's true. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, he couldn't be happier. Is Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. There's a controversial outcome in the election in a small Oregon town. The name of the town is called Sodaville. Mm. Kind of place we might go and have a soda. Mm. Small town, population of 300. 300. That's it. <laughs> Who are you waiting to go? I was, I was waiting for the other zeros. <laughs> yeah. there, there are only two zeros after the 300. It's southeast of Albany. So their, their newly elected mayor is Thomas Brady Harrington. Uh, there are some problems with him. You see, he's a convicted felon nope. with a long criminal history. Nope. Car theft, drug nope. convictions, assault, eluding police, numerous charges, spent time in jail. Apparently, people want to change. Wait, but you... Uh, so maybe he could run the, for a senator in Alaska. So he actually couldn't vote, but he could, in fact, be elected. Well, according to Oregon law, there is no Oregon law bar, bar, barring convicted felons from being elected to public office. Fantastic. Well, you know, hey, it is a democracy. And apparently people didn't do their research no. on him. <laughs> that, they, they, after all these charges, nobody came up with one. Tim, that is an undue diligence, is, is what happened there. The uninformed electorate. <laughs> totally. So people want to change, and they got it. Really, I mean... This is quite the change. What if his first act is just to murder everyone? Well, We're now passing resolution. I'm going to cut out your eyes. He looks like a... What? Wow. Really? Yes, really. That's a that's an unnerving kind of guy. Oh. But he's the mayor. <laughs> Jesus. That is not a town his last, I want to live in. His last name, Vineyard? All right. Last name is Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. So, does anyone see a problem with taking your seven-year-old child to play uh, in on the swings in the yard with a pit bull? Well, apparently somebody it, in Clackamas County gonna, did not. I was going to say, it depends. Do I live in Gresham? This is Clackamas County. Okay. So, the dad and the the dad, who has a different last name than the seven-year-old daughter, uh, little girl's playing on a swing while mm. he's visiting his friend with a pit bull. And, of course, we know what's going to happen once the pit bull uh... sees a little girl. So the dad manages to wrestle the dog while somebody grabs the little girl, brings it to safety. Dad puts the dog in a headlock, eventually pinning it to the ground, but it was bitten on the leg. They struggle to hold the pit bull down. Then the animal's owner takes turns trying to kill the animal with an aluminum bat. The pit bull refused to die. Well, that's what they do, Tim. They can't be killed. Thank goodness a Clackamas detective arrived and shut the dog and killed it. I mean, at that point, that for today. I'm not, I'm not, of course, encouraging that dogs chew on small children. But Bring I mean, the little girl to play with a pit bull on the swing. But I mean, at that point, it's like you almost, you almost just uh, wish that the, uh, you almost wish that somebody had taken the uh, dad outside and given him a stern talking to instead of the dog, because well, the dogs are doing what the dog does. Right. Uh, you know, I, I do like the idea though that he's well, attacking. They, well, it's, it's singing, thank God for little girls. <laughs> they do taste like English muffins, Tim. I, I like the idea that he's attacking the pit bull with an aluminum bat, but the dog just can't be destroyed. Can I just tell you this? Yes. Speaking of animals, so we were talking about that two-faced kitten the other day, or I guess today, earlier. Like, last like an hour ago. Like an hour ago. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. All my, all, all my two-faced kitten thoughts have been replaced by observations of rage about the shirts I have to buy. 
Sarah found this uh, YouTube video of a three a three headed frog. Yeah, it's like some weird amphibious cerebus. I mean, it's awful. It's like it guards the lily pad on the entrance to Hades. It does look quite evil. I'm here to I'm see Satan. Whoa. I mean, it's, just, it's all kinds of... Tim wouldn't even look at it. No. It's terrifying. It's, the, you know, I shouldn't be. I mean, it's, it's all kinds of wrong. Here's Tim Riley. Super glue is used to plug up holes in a toddler's brain. Doc, you see the life of a toddler. Wait, can I laugh? Is the toddler all right? Yes. It works. Of course it does. This is socialized medicine. It's coming here soon. You know, you're not allowed to choose your doctor, and they fill your hole, they fill all your holes full of super glue. Well, it works. Who can argue? Tell the baby's born with the holes in the head what to do. <laughs> Try again. So they insert a hollow tube containing super glue through the groin, letting it reach the brain. Then they fire bursts of the glue <laughs> wait, wait, through the groin wait, oh, into the artery. Oh, no. Stop. Plugging the holes... So the super glue Stop. travels from the groin to the brain. Oh, um, wait. But this isn't is a real no, you have to, but Look, I'm no scientist, Tim. But is it the problem? That, wasn't the problem, as you just said, like 10 seconds ago, that there are holes in the child's head? That is correct, yes. Aren't we taking the long way around here? I don't know the procedure. If, if there are holes in the baby's to... head, why do you have to go into the groin? Let, let me look that here. seems like taking an unnecessary arterial. But was the intention for the glue to fill the holes in the baby's head? Yes. Mm. Through yeah. the uh, I see here. It's because the blood flows too quickly through the holes. Therefore, it gives it extra time to reach the brain to do its job. I'm so weirded out by this story. We're, we're not all experts on holes in babies' heads, but I, I'm taking Only some of us, Tim. So the baby will now live a long and healthy life, thanks to the super glue plugging the holes in its brains. Jesus. Well, that's better than a metal plate, I suppose. Quite a time on the playground. Somebody, somebody, pardon me, I just, my head's full of glue. So, so now it's, uh, she's now uh, doing what all kids her age should be doing, bouncing around, playing, and having a good time. Riding a the, swing the, with the a pit bull. The operation is worth every penny. Of course. <laughs> How much could it have cost? I don't know. He got a tube of that, uh, what about that little red straw? Come with the WD-40. Bring it on in here. Jessup, hold down the baby. All right. I don't even know what these people are calling about. So let's see Michael Moore tackle this one in this next documentary. Wait, was that Maybe here in America? No, it's Britain. Oh, well, you know, that explains it all. You're, no, you're totally right about that, Tim. That happens when the government begins meddling. Let me read a couple emails here. Rick, about your shirts. What better way to get into the good graces of hot women at your mystery clothier than hounding them with pointless and angry questions about the various fits available for the shirts they offer? Maybe you should rethink your, uh, rethink your strategy here, however. Um, well, I mean, look, they're not going to... Can I tell you that these are women of sufficient hotness? At a clothing store, by the way, which means they got some kind of sense of style, they're not going to find me attractive. There's nothing I could do to impress these women anyway. I, it doesn't matter. Your wallet will impress them. See, but you would They'll think spend so. They'll the whole afternoon with you. Yeah, I mean, but that, but that, they're only going to love me for my plastic, Tim. Yeah. Uh, as soon as the as soon as those shirts are purchased, they're going to fall away from me like so many petals off a faded rose. They know you'll be back. The gayest thing I've ever said. I know. But it, well, that's a bit. I mean, they're nice to you as long as you're sort of trying things on. Can I just tell you this too? Mm-hmm. At this particular clothing store, dude, it is like all the hot colors of Benetton. Uh, there was when I first walk in, there's this sort of like. Uh, just like this, this uh, the woman, just this unbelievable. She's just this stunning, like Nubian uh, princess, and she was just, uh, just all kinds of nice to me too. As I had all these dumb questions about, like, but I don't understand. I, uh, I use. You start buttoning for the top or the bottom. <laughs> exactly. 
And then you know, and then I uh, and then I go back to the, the back room, and I'm happy to do that. And then what am I doing? I'm doing what all guys do when their wives or girlfriends are there. I'm putting on the clothes in the changing room, and then I'm coming out and go, asking the girl like. So what do you think? I, uh... I think that's a you-specific thing, though. You're the only person I've ever, any only man I've ever been shopping with or near that I've ever seen wander out of the room and be like, what do I look like? Does this look okay? No, but, look? but see, but don't you ask somebody? Quick, before, now I know Tim has got to go prepare more live news. Well, let's quickly go around the room. Sarah, when you're trying on clothes, no. you don't ask anybody if it looks good? No. Well, never. you're you, though. Okay, but that's different. You're you. I mean, you've got, like, well, some weird Jedi. <laughs> I guess, but I'm guessing I'm even, I now know that you're the wrong person to ask, though, because you've got, like, the spidey sense for, like, you just know, like, you're... I don't know if anybody, I don't know if I know anybody who asks. You're like some clothing savant. It's kind of... Fr- Tim, if you're trying on a piece of clothing, have you ever stepped outside and asked, perhaps, a person, an employee at the clothier, what do you think about this? Does it work? Well, I always get good service. I usually have two or three people standing around offering compliments. You have a team of paid flunkies. No, Mr. Riley, exemplary choice. No, 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 no very well. Where I shop, it is like that. No, 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 very good, sir. No, I understand. No, will you be needing a foot rub, sir? Mint? Would you like a complimentary massage and facial scrub? All right, then. Very good. Mr. Riley is to be attended to. Wiper! All right. Thank you, Tim. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven. Top of the hour all the way through Lycus. Just somebody following you on plucking stray hairs off the shoulders of your clothing. Well, maybe it's just me. Well, because I don't know, and you weren't there. Maybe you weren't there. I needed somebody. I, uh, so, uh, anyways. Well, of course they're going to tell you, Luke. I never ask because they're trying to make a commission. No, nah, but see, but the thing is, you know, they got to know if it doesn't work. If it doesn't look good, if I, in other words, if I buy something and I go home, everybody goes, dude, you look like you look retarded. I'm not going to come back. If they sell me something and I, and I go home and it does look good, then I'll come back there. So, I mean, I, I trust that. I really do. It sounds naive, but I trust them to tell me the truth. Cause oh, they want... See, I don't see. Yeah, you, you trust people. Well, think... because they want my money in the future. That's the thing. They want more money from me. And if they tell me something looks good and I come in here and you laugh at me, uh, that's a place I'm not going back to. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so then I come out of the changing room and there's like this, this like unbelievably hot uh, like Indian girl. And, uh, and they've just got them strategically placed throughout the store everywhere you go. And it's like they got some regular looking kind of stumpy people there, but it's like they're way in the back, like, stocking. You know, they're, they're, they're like, they're filling, stocker and stumpy. They're, like, they're filling, they're emptying trash cans uh, around the place and refilling, like, the tape in, the, in, like, the register paper printer thing. But but they've just got, like, all of these stunning girls just, like, positioned everywhere. So when I come right, out of the... Your, wait, can we turn off our mic so you can tell me what place you're talking about? Uh, yeah, it's... You know Oh, I've about. never been there. It looked kind of douchey. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, but I'm not a guy, and I'm sure I would shop there if I was a guy. I've worn some stuff from there. Actually, I, I wore uh, that shirt I wore yesterday. I don't remember what I looked like. Uh, yeah, but I, the, the shirt yesterday was from that place. Okay. Um, what shirt were you wearing? It was like it was one of my standard black. It was like a standard black button up, but it was like a really, but it was um, it was fitted. It was for like a kind of a tapered sort of a thing. Could I sound more like a woman right now? Anyway, so there you go. At least you're not like Timmy Ryan complaining about how fat you are. No, I'm just, I'm just saying. And you know what? And I'm not even really complaining about this. I'm just saying, there's, there's like a hundred different cuts of shirt now. It just, it's very. It was easier when I didn't care, because then I could just dress like a board op. You know. I broke you, Rick Emerson. Give me a poncho. Right. And some Kleenex boxes for my feet. Back after this.
We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. All right, welcome down to the phones, our uh, good friend Mailman Chris. Now, uh, Aaron Duran and, and Scott Della, they have not seen the Twilight movie, is that right? They have not. They, they, they pussied out. They opted out of it. They did. Not, I like how they're willing to see good movies for the people. They're not willing to do the same for the bad films. Hey, you know what? I saw it. Uh, I wrote a review on geekinthecity.com. Uh, but I'll tell you, I read the books. As as you know, I loaned the books to you. And I plan on reading them, sir, as soon as I'm done with my Lennon thing. So I'm not I'm not opposed to the whole theory, just so people and, know. And, and on that note, if while you're reading, if you're reading Lennon and you want to loan the first uh, to Sarah so she can read it, I'm, I'm fine with that. Too. Yeah, I'm almost, right. yeah, I'm almost done with my books. So. Excellent. Um, but you know, I enjoyed the books. Uh, the movie, not bad. I will say they're both good time killers. They're not a bad book. I, I wouldn't, you know, I've heard you use the term beach book. Right, right. Uh, that's strongly where I would put Twilight. It's not something that's going to change your life. I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Anne Rice. I, I like the old Anne Rice books. I've reread them many times. Uh, this is not a series I ever see myself like delving into multiple times. You know, every year. You're not going to have a map of their world on your on your dorm room wall. No, I won't be doing a lot of shopping at Hot Topic, but but you know I, I did see the movie. It was interesting. It, it stayed very true to the book. Um, and and you know if you don't know it, you know it's vampire love story. You know non-vampire girl, vampire guy who doesn't. Who, he's a vegetarian. They don't right. they don't kill. He's a vegetarian. They call him vegetarian. He's a steakhouse in it. Benicula. I could have gone uh, Vincent the Vegetable Vampire from the Electric Company, but I went Banicula instead. Banicula. Yeah. You can never go wrong with Banicula. No, Did no. you see last night's South Park? Uh, no, but I understand it's about Twilight and Hot Topic. Yes. No, yes. tonight I'm going to go home. I'm going to finish the last 20 minutes of Bender's Game, which is a new Futurama movie. Um, and then I'm going uh, to watch South Park. So. Yeah. So All it, right, then. You know, it, it's, I, I do recommend seeing it. I, I, I did write in my review that I, if you're not a diehard fan of the series, I say wait a couple weeks. It's going to be like Titanic where the theaters are just going to be filled with tween weeping girls team edward shirts and oh and uh, yeah. you know and their soccer moms that yes. are sit wearing the you know same and all right well color every time. color me postponing then but 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 do go see it it's a decent movie just just you know suspend a little bit of disbelief and forget everything you know done about and done there. all right thank you my friend take it easy guys uh, there you go Thanks, Mailman chris. chris his uh, full review is up at geekinthecity.com do we have time for one more no sure all right, quickly, Quick. last call of the day. Try not to suck. That was easy. Well done. Thanks so much. All right, we're going to see you in a radio correspondence. Uh, Lisa Desjardins, as well as Steve Kastenman and James Rube. Join us tomorrow, and I guess we'll include Scott Dalek from Film Fever Radio. Rick Emerson, show produced today every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Amnon and Sever the Talker. Thanks to James Robinson as well for filling in for the first uh, couple hours. Uh, in the newsroom, Tim Riley. In the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and uh, director of uh, marketing promotions, uh, the overlord, the guru, uh, the maven, Susan Donaff with me, Reynolds. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Uh, watch out for snakes. Like us next. Like us 101 at 5. See you tomorrow. Attempt for the recap. I love the show. Bye now.